Welcome to the South by Southwest 2023 film preview where we're going to be going through all the films, the shorts. Man, do they love TV at this film festival. Uh, and there's going to be music, there's going to be comedy, and there's going to be a lot, a lot of barbecue that we're going to be covering yeah. for this preview. We've done it for the last previous years, but this time, Zach is going to be there with me to take down as yeah. many movies as we possibly can. Uh, we've never been to and Texas together. And as much together, brisket. So I think... And as much, but that's a given. Uh, we've never been to yeah. Texas together, so that's going to be a whole nah. bigger state that we have not gone through. We've been like in, I, I feel like we've been in the tundras, we've been in the mountains, <laughs> we've been in uh, cities, but we've never been in the old back roads of Texas. And yeah. uh, personally, I, th I think South by is one of the standout festivals because of where it takes place. Um, we tend to do a lot excited. more cold weather travel together, whether that is Sundance or even like it's, Toronto's it's usually season. decently nice in, in September, but it can get a little cold in Canada. Fall fans. This is going to be our, our warmest film festival. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Looking forward to all the uh, barbecue places that you've already recommended to me. I mean, it's Texas, right? Like there, there's that's actually the thing in, in that South by more than the other festivals that we talk about. There are so many more things to do. You know, you talked about how they yes. like TV here, too. They got TV. They got the comedy festival going on. They got all the tech happening. They got the music festival going on. There's conferences. There's uh, VR, XR, however they want to talk about it. We will get into Crazy all those different uh, little distinctions, but with our focus, per usual, on the movies. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you've been to South by in the past, you kind of know how it works. And that's what they kind of break it down with one badge. Uh, I've seen people get like individual tickets, but that's not like a public thing that they do. So out of everything that we just said about what makes it great, that's probably the biggest pushback is yeah. that if none of us get accepted to the festival, like there's no way to snatch up individual tickets if you're not a press member, if you're not like a friend of the the, the movies team. Uh, at, at this point in time, I've been accepted since 2019. Uh, we've mm -hmm. been able to reach out for a couple of the movies. We've got, like, hopefully 20, 25-something links hopefully coming our way, which is great. We appreciate that. Shout-out to the Intercuties for allowing that to be a thing. But I'm not accepted to South by yet. <laughs> so as of this recording, I may not be going, but shout-out to the publicist for helping us out. Uh, nonetheless, yeah. we got a lot of movies to cover here, and if you are going, uh, I, I think that when you're staying in Austin, what you do have the ability to do is to try, a lot, try out a lot of things that aren't just the movies, to be able to go, as Zach said, to a bunch of different events. But it's also, I feel the housing is a little bit better. Uh, because it's warmer weather, you're able to navigate around more. Um, and because of that, uh, you don't have to bring all of the extra luggage that you have to for Sundance or for mm. a lot of the other places. Plus, it's a lot easier because you're not checking in as much. The top three things that I would give you if you are going to the festival is recognizing where your stuff is. Uh, just like at Sundance, you don't want to be at a screening at the Eccles. Then your goofy self got something over at the Mountain Resort and you don't have a vehicle <laughs> to get 45 minutes away. Yep. Uh, there's a lot of traffic that happens at South By. That's why Texans hate people coming to South by we'll see you soon um but it, it it's gonna help you maneuver it a lot easier if you just look at the locations if you recognize that South by is a place that has a lot of pop-ups last year uh Zach saw me come in with a lot of swag a lot of merch some coffee cups I used to this day your badge gives you all of that take advantage of them um I don't know if you got any other clues Alina or any other questions yeah. that you have Zach in terms of how to get well you were breaking uh, it 
you were breaking it down to me in terms of there being this river that essentially divides the two halves of the yes. film festival, right? And I've tried to mark the theaters with these little like blue markers here. So you'll see Beautiful. a lot of screenings happen at the Alamo. A lot of screenings happen at the Rollins. A lot of screenings happen at the Zack Theater. But you've explained to me that we are trying to spend more of our time over here by the State Theater and the Paramount that are right next to each other. That seems to be the spot where most of those headliners are. Uh, so with a focus there, maybe venturing towards the Violet Crown Cinema as well, because I know I've got some screenings there too. But, you know, just being cognizant of where you are in relation to the other theaters, leaving time mm -hmm. for Q&As, because a lot of these premieres, uh, you're going to end up there an extra 15 minutes or so, uh, chasing down some of the, uh, chasing, you know, trying to just chase from movie to movie, get to everything that you have booked. I've heard from a lot of people that have covered South by in the past that you never end up getting to every single movie that you have on your schedule. Do you feel like that's pretty true to your experience of South by or have you been able to sneak in those like six movie days like you do at Sundance? Come on, boy. They don't work for Intercut. Get out of here. You can do it. You can do it. One of the recommendations I would yeah. give if you pull up the map again, Zach is right. I told him. Most of the best screenings, the biggest premieres are going to be at the state and at the Paramount. You just go through those. Obviously, try all the other theaters. You just got to be cognizant of that river because a lot of traffic happens there. But this is a festival where you have multiple Alamo draft houses. You can eat while you watch a movie. The Zack Theater is a beautiful uh, location because it's right next to one of my favorite barbecue places, Terry Black's. Uh, the Violet Theater is a, a brand new one that they added just last year. They have some stuff at the conference center. So you're there with all the XR stuff and all the people who are giving keynotes, and then they'll put you in like this makeshift theater room. So always try all of them. But State and Paramount, to me, I think that's where most of the movies are. I mean, it's the Paramount because it's the most Paramount location to have there. Plus, it's historical. That's where you want to take your pictures. That is the Eccles and the Egyptian combined, per se. Um, Interesting. You had brought up the uh, other thing about traveling around. You do. You can walk and hustle. You can get Ubers. But this is a scooter town, which I hate and love at the same time. <laughs> there have been moments where I've had to hop on a bird and just skedaddle to the next spot. So uh, be sure of that. The last thing I'll add here, as Zach was saying, jumping from place to place, the reason I am able to do it is because when South by Southwest begins, you download a little thing called the South by Southwest app, and 24 hours before your screening, they will open up this express window. At every theater, they're going to have two lines. You always get in the line with the express one if you check in 24 hours prior. A lot of places have wait lists, you know, like 90 minutes before, will I be able to get into the wait list? Nah, they do you one better. You can get a South by Southwest Express, be in a perfect line where they're going to let you in, as the title says, expressly. If you don't, we just said there are no individual tickets. You are going to be put into a line with every single person who's bought a badge, not a ticket. Those lines are outside. They're wrapping around the town of Austin. They will lose you. Uh, I told Zach, he's like, what was the last time you missed a movie? I was like, when I was a novice and I went the first year for us, I was not let in. They put us on the wrong way. So just be cognizant of all those different things. And uh, I think you have a good fest. As all of them, drink a lot of water, get some comfortable shoes, a nice hat, and you're ready to go to watch all of these movies that we're about to break down, Zach. Starting off with the headliners. Zach, talk about what we've previously had because they've had some decent movies. Yeah, I mean, South by, South by. 
Headliners seems to be the splashiest category. I feel like they're able to get a lot of fun big movies to premiere at South by in the past. It's been stuff like a quiet place or blockers and ready player one. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned us, the Jordan Peele movie. Uh, that was the same year that book smart also premiered there. I know a lot of people loved that one, but just last got, year, the headliners, the headliners were stacked with bodies, 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 uh, unbearable weight of massive talent, the lost city and the current best picture frontrunner, everything, everywhere, all at once, had its premiere at South by Southwest, lest you forget. I, do you think we're going to get another exactly best picture winner at this year's South by? I don't care if we get another best picture winner, but damn what I love another everything, everywhere, all at once. Because yeah. as soon as I yeah. came out of that premiere, I text you, I think the boys, I think the boys did it again. And that was at a period of time where you and I were the Swiss Army lovers. We would be yeah. making, we would get made fun of for loving the farting movie, the mm-hmm. one that wasn't Ryan Tomato Fresh. <laughs> then something happened with this movie. When you come out with a movie so good with so much hype, it fixes your other movies that critics didn't like. That's a right. that's a revolutionary event. So Zach's right. A headliner is a place to be because, as he mentioned with some of the other ones, the unbearable weight of massive talent. I have pictures of the pre-show. They do some fun stuff. It's not just a red carpet. For starters, everyone walks by the red carpet when you walk in. It's not hidden in the back like some of the Sundance premieres. You are like kind of getting a glimpse at the actors. They had uh, uh, models, uh, these like bobbleheads of, uh, what's his name, Nick Cage there. There were other screenings that were headliners uh, that we're going to be mentioning for horror movies where they gave you spiritual like things to take back home. So we'll see what they have this year. Breaking down uh, some of the headliners from the bottom to the top in our own opinions. One of the biggest ones that they're going to have there, and I believe it's the premiere, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. So there is a chance they Opening might give night. you a board game. I don't know. They might give you a little cloth <laughs> or whatever they use to, to would, play uh, one of those dice. I would be pre- pretty happy with some like custom South by Southwest 12-sided dice or something like that. That'd be pretty Come cool. Come on, man. The the moment that we did the 2019 one and they gave us scratch and sniff weed thingies for <laughs> for Beach Bum, I, I realized that the budget could be whatever they want it to be. Right. Uh, but Dungeons and Dragons is going to come out like what? The following day? The, the same <laughs> month. Uh, I, I have it slated right here, March 31st. So personally, there we the go. intercut uh, view of it is unless it's a free slot. You can just catch it in theaters with your A-list, but I don't know if you're excited for this one. I know a lot of people are, you know, head over heels for getting a D&D movie. Uh, it seems to have a big budget. Yeah, I'm not so sure. This could go either way for me. I feel like John Francis Daly is somebody who occasionally knows how to f- have fun with this kind of blockbuster material. It just seems so kind of like bland, I think. Like, bro, bro, it doesn't bro, bro, really bro, bro, bro. have... This is the boy from Freaks and Geeks. Yeah, all grown up. But look at his resume because it's it's got like some decent hits on there. Well, I mean, it's most of when the acting. Co- would he switch? <laughs> I think when what? I think when he started growing uh, facial hair. Yeah, he did game night. Game night. Exactly. Wow. So like, not exactly like My a, a first time filmmaker. I know, but uh, okay. so I, I'm. I'm I'm holding out some hope. It seems like it could be fun at least. I just, I don't know. Um, it also seems very kind of like template in, in some ways. So we'll see. I feel First like one. I'll be there we'll opening see. night. There's not a whole lot else going on on March 10th, film-wise. <sighs> not much. Or, Mar- 
or March 31st when it comes out in theaters. But uh, <laughs> one that I have a little bit higher than this is a movie that I, I did not expect to be a little curious for. And maybe it's the cast. Maybe it's just because I play this game so much. Apple TV Plus is coming out with a Tetris movie and it's having mm-hmm. its premiere. It's stacked premiere at South by Southwest, I believe, at the Paramount. And it is based off the true story of the 80s when they created this game. Uh, I don't know if you saw the trailer. I had to cut it. I didn't realize uh, <laughs> how crazy the making of Tetris was, but they're getting into like politics and the war and different yeah. things. But it's because this man is leading it, Taron Edgerton, that I'm pretty excited for it. So uh, I at least have this uh, in my top uh, six-ish of the festival in terms of headliners. So uh, I'm curious to catch it, unless they put it on our accounts for Apple, because this is sitting at two hours. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it does seem like hopefully it could be like a fun premiere. I I, I do think from the little bits that I caught of the trailer, it does seem good. I, I like you didn't want to spoil myself too much on it. And yeah, I mean, Taron's Taron's an interesting actor, so it might be a fun role for He's him. Really good, dude. This one comes out March thirty first as well. What's going What's going on? <laughs> Just that's the thing. Gotta go with, to the festival. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing with any of these big film festivals. A lot of them are just basically like pre-premieres like hype premieres yeah. before uh-huh. the movies hit wide audiences but it's still sometimes fun to catch it a week or two it's early something. three weeks early uh, here you go i'll throw in another week there for you because evil dead doesn't come out till april evil dead rise go. the follow-up to what is supposed to be the uh, evil dead remake but but it's being written by the one and only Sam Raimi, who's coming back in for this. So I'm a little... Oh, it's not being written. My bad. It's only being produced. Uh, yeah. I'm skipping it then. Never mind. Going all the way back to the bottom. <laughs> I'm excited for Evil Dead uh, Rises. This is what I was saying is the big headliner uh, premiere that they're doing for a horror movie. And South by always goes all out for the horror movies, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to be in the house for this one. I'm a big fan of the 2013 one. I like the Evil Dead franchise. The trailer to this looks unbearable it, it looks disgusting it does not look like you're gonna walk home alone at night <laughs> and zach you're not flaking on me you're gonna be seated right next to me for this one i, I you can know rise man. Off it, your seat all looks, you want, but we're gonna be sitting there it looks like the kind of punishing horror that i tend to try to avoid but i i guess we gotta do it man it, it, it's the it's the last big headliner i feel like right i, I believe so and it's only sitting at 92 minutes so yeah not that bad. It'll be fun. This one has It'll be April, fun with a big audience. April, <laughs> you'll be sitting right between me and uh, Caitlin, and we'll just make sure that you're yeah. okay. We'll cover your eyes on the exactly. bad Exactly. I'll hold each of your uh, hands. It is going to be messed up, though, because Evil Dead 2013, uh, it was not joyful. I'll put it that way. But this one does come yeah. out April 27th. It should be a really fun premiere. I'm excited to see what they have in store for Evil Dead Rises. Another one that doesn't have a date, though. So now we're getting into the nitty-gritty. All right. So we did have the big ones, like Zach said, that are kind of just having like a really big premiere. These are what you come to the festival for. Some of the top headliners that don't have a date yet would be Joyride. This is a movie mm-hmm. that's following a, a couple of friends who we've been seeing in a lot of big things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them is an Oscar nominee with Stephanie. Another Stephanie one was Shoe, just yep. in one of our favorites with short in Shortcomings. And then it's Sherry coming Cola, from the yeah. team that did Crazy Rich Asians. So I'm curious to see uh, what they're going to be able to do with this script because it doesn't seem to be, you know, something as big of a budget or even as extravagant as that movie was. And it seems to be more somber as they're going back home. So uh, I'm, I'm curious to this one. I believe this has uh, a couple of screenings. Oh, just yeah. one. Just one. one. That's showing, the other so. thing about a lot of the headliners here at South By is you got one shot to see them and that's it. So uh, 
make sure to know which ones you're prioritizing because you might not get a second shot to see it. Uh, just staying with Joyride for a second, aside from all the people that you've mentioned, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, the super bad and many other things duo, are producers on this as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see here I had marked down that it is expected to be coming out in June. Might say hop on it just in case. But uh, yeah, yeah th- this Who one knows? looks like it's going to be pretty solid. I'm excited to see what they do with it. Uh, it. It is picked up by Lionsgate, though, so at least it has distribution. But Joyride coming up soon. Uh, these are the top three right here for the headliners. Uh, let's talk about these. There is a movie coming out called Problemista. This guy in the back, he is the writer, the director, the star. Part of this movie feels like it's real. This dude uh, has written for SNL for a long time. His name is Julio, Julio Torres. Torres yes. he also, he did a um, series on HBO called Los Spookies. That's his, mm-hmm. He's in it. He runs it. He stars in it. This movie, Problemista, is about like practically him, this guy who may be sent back to his country unless he's able to create something. So then this artist who sounds like Tilda Swinton playing Tilda Swinton's like, I can help this young artist do something. And it seems like a wild 90-minute adventure. It's being pitched as a comedy. Uh, it's got a pretty good cast because it's not just these two. Greta Lee is in it, who just had is just going to have an incredible year out of Sundance coming yeah. out um, with, uh, what's it called, Past Lives. And then yes. you also have RZA in this movie. On top mm-hmm. of that, it's A24. Zach, is this higher on your list? I think so. I, I just think there's something really interesting and quirky about this. I mean, Julio Torres has been this really interesting comedian uh, on my radar for for a while. And whether it's through projects like Lissa Spookies that have put him a little bit more in the spotlight or like uh, his HBO special, My Favorite Shapes, which is so mm. bizarre and funny, but kind of one, like warm and wonderful in a way. I just think he's a very distinctive comedic voice. And I... Whatever this movie turns out to be, I have a feeling it will feel very different from a lot of the other films we get at South By. You know, something like Dungeons and Dragons, I feel like I've seen that tone before. I expect to see, I I expect to be surprised very much at whatever Problemista is. I'll put it to you this way. Uh, Isabella Rossellini has not been in something that hasn't surprised me from Marshall to whatever it was from Sundance that you showed me that she did in the early <laughs> 2000s. I'm going to just leave it at that. You can tell them the name. They can search that up on their own. I'm not getting hit was on internet. Green Porno, I think it was called. Yeah. Uh, so those she's are in a, it's, Check it, it out it's on gonna YouTube. Be, it's going to be intriguing. Uh, yeah, Zach had a whole playlist. I was like, what is How long is this playlist? <laughs> Shouts to Caitlin. Uh, that, that was her it, adolescent uh, discovery. <laughs> It sounds like it's going to be an interesting one. Probably the most interesting one out of the entire bunch here. Um, This next one could be straightforward, but I have high hopes for it. Mm -hmm. It is her second directorial debut, but might be the first because the doc that we saw from her did not come out yet uh, from Sundance. (laughs) Eva Langoria or Eva Langoria Bastion. Sometimes, you know, the the festivals, they kind of change her name out. But uh, she is coming out with her directorial debut for a narrative, if I'm not mistaken. Flamin' Hot, the story of the dude. Who created Flamin' Hot Cheetos? Uh, that's it. He's a janitor. Yeah. Somehow pitched it, and she's claiming to come in with this this style that uh, is very much from the point of view of him coming up to all of these board meetings and creating what ends up becoming one of the biggest products to this day. Like the only thing that can rival this is if she makes a sequel about Takis. Uh, I'm gonna be there day one. This is gonna be a big release. I believe it's already scheduled by Searchlight Pictures to come out in June. 
So I have this as my number two. But again, they're all fighting hand in hand there in the top three. Yeah, and it's it's like this part of this subgenre of films about like discoveries that you didn't think had a fascinating story. Like maybe the the best version of this is like the social network because it's like who who would have thought the Facebook movie would be good. But like even when mm-hmm. you go to stuff like The Founder, that Michael Keaton McDonald's movie, or like mm. Flash of Genius, the guy the movie about the guy who invented windshield wipers, like th- sometimes there are really fun stories hiding in these like true uh, true stories of how something was made and just the idea of this being invented by a Frito-Lay janitor. I, I feel like there's something intriguing there. Hopefully Eva Longoria can bring it out. He knew it was up. So we got that one coming out in the summer. We got our number one. I, I think we agree on this one. Our number one movie. Yes, I'll let you take this one away. Sure. Is Bottoms. Absolutely. I mean, we're going to get to Shiva Baby in a little bit, but this is the follow-up from Emma Seligman uh, uh, to Shiva Baby that she co-wrote with Shiva Baby star Rachel Sennett as well about a pair of unpopular girls who decide to start a fight club as a way to hook up with cheerleaders. It just sounds great. Uh, It's a hilarious premise. It's also just uh, wonderful that this is starring not only Rachel Sennett, but... uh, Ayo Edabiri, who Ayo Edabiri, excuse me, who they who previously collaborated with Rachel on like a Comedy Central web series, so they have a relationship that goes back. I'm sure Rachel their dynamic so is going to be like that much better because they're not like not only so familiar with each other, but such stars now between Rachel's yep. work in Bodies, Bodies, Bodies and other stuff and uh, Aya's work on The Bear and showing up in other places as well. It's just Theater camp, a dude. great time Compound to be getting all this talent together. Yeah, yeah. Hey, 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 hey. What's she doing here? <sighs> yeah, oh she got the gosh. bag too. Also, you know they just got Stephen Yun in there too? <laughs> Bro, I saw someone died that day, and that was higher on the, in on the Twitter notification. Yeah. Oh it was God. like he died getting cast in it. Poor Steven. Yeah, but yeah, I owe also, I guess, getting that Marvel bag for I Thunderbolts. I did not know that. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that should be more than enough to get y'all on it because, I mean, they've already got a great track record. But I just throw a little last one in there. I just love seeing a random Marshawn Lynch appearance come out in a movie, and he's got several. So that's another yeah. person who's got a big one. Because I told Zach, someone, another co-star to a massive movie, spoiled he's going to be in it. And it has not appeared on his IMDb. But there's a scoop out there. Just be careful. Marshawn Lynch will be appearing in many places. But those are several of the different movies that we have from the headliners. Again, mm-hmm. uh, for me, I'm the most excited for something like bottoms uh or those movies that we don't really know what we're going to get out of them but i think are going to be really exciting towards the end of it but those are our headliners shoot i think the discoveries that you're talking about tend to be found in our next category here Mm -hmm. Uh, the narrative feature competition has had several movies that have either gone on to win awards or created some people that yeah they're just not going anywhere from here on out absolutely I mean, 2020 alone, debuting uh, not only the movie we just talked about a little bit in Shiva Baby from Emma Seligman with uh, Rachel Sennett, which, you know, became a huge film Twitter sensation and uh, letterboxed hit, uh, as well as 
the debut of Shithouse at South by Southwest 2020, even though it was kind of like a not really happening abbreviated in-person <laughs> It was exactly fest. like the title, yeah. yeah. But then to think that he would go on to win and then do Cha-Cha at Sundance, at a certain mm-hmm. point, this man was having premieres for all of his movies at festivals with nobody in the seats. Uh, and then last year, this was also the category that held one of, I think, 2022's most underrated releases in The Fallout, uh, streaming on HBO Max now. Yes. I really, really thought that movie was great, and it was the winner of the narrative feature competition in 2021. Very good movie. Also streaming on HBO, so maybe yeah. there'll be some new ones out here on the list that can hop on there. The next one that we have is that narrative feature competition, and yeah, Zach was right. It is completely and utterly stacked. Yes, full of movies that uh, I think have dominated uh, film Twitter and Letterboxd since then. We just talked about Shiva Baby, Rachel Seligman's fir- or excuse me, Emma Seligman's first collaboration with Rachel Sennett, uh, and they're back here two years later. At that same South by Southwest, it was also the d- debut of Cooper Rafe's Shit House, uh, which is another movie that lots of people really, really love. Kind of crazy that both those years came out of a South by Southwest that almost basically didn't happen. Almost nobody had access no to seats. that 2020 <laughs> South by right after COVID. Yeah. Uh, That's what we but, said with Cooper. Poor guy had no butts and seats for his premieres. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the narrative future competition is really fun. I mean, I love my dad. The Patton Oswald cringe mm. comedy that... Uh, came out was here last year, as well as Linoleum, which we might talk about in Weekend Must Watch in just a minute, because that's out out this weekend. Uh, But The Mm -hmm. Fallout was the winner of the narrative feature competition last year, and that was, uh, or in 2021, and that was uh, one of my favorites of last year, a really great movie on HBO Max. I know some intercuties are big, big fans of The Fallout as well, so there's some real gems that appear here at uh, South By. And all the ones that you mentioned, if you don't get to see it at a place like South by at a theater, that may be the only time you're seeing it in public before it goes Mm. straight to streaming. So let's look at the new stuff that we have on the horizon, starting off with Pure O, a drama about a man, musician, who has this thing called Pure O. It's another form of OCD, and it's about him just going through his day, struggling with relationships and his job. Uh, the director here, Dylan Tucker, his bio, like I found it in like three different places. He he wants you to know he's worked with Cassavetti's granddaughter on a film. Mm. So, I, I, you know, I don't know how the nepotism works, but I think working with Cassavetti's <laughs> granddaughter on a film, I think can really help you. A short film for that. Uh, I'm curious to see uh, how the performances are on this one, because it definitely seems like it's going to be a very performance-heavy movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know too much of the actors on here, but I uh, got it right here on the horizon. Pure yeah. O playing in the narrative competition. Another movie is Scrambled. Very yeah. interesting title here for a, a kind of crazy movie in where a millennial has to decide to freeze her eggs uh, and wait to see what's going to happen in the future. This comes from Leah McKendrick, who's done a lot of acting. And I want to say this is one of her first uh, ventures into a full feature-length film because she's done stuff like a Pamela and Ivy fan fiction short. She's working on a Mrs. (laughs) Claus origin story. But if you are a fan of Yvonne Stravinsky, I want to say, so you say her name, from Chalk, and I think she's been in several other shows. Handmaid's Tale, I think. Handmaid's Tale. Uh, Then, yeah, this is probably going to be something that her lead performance is going to be at the forefront. And it's being pitched as a comedy. So, Hmm. scrambled. That one's on my uh, list, too. 
Next one is Raging Grace. I know you had this yeah. one to see in theaters about an undocumented Filipino worker who realizes this person who she's kind of working with, is it worth staying here or should I dip? Because there, be, <laughs> there may be more secrets there. Um, this one comes from Perez Arquila, who's done a movie, a little short film called Pomel. This one was pretty interesting. It, it, the Vimeo link is out there. So it has me intrigued to see what he has in store. Yeah, and I think it's one of those movies that we talk about that we see occasionally at festivals where it's not in the Midnighters horror category, but the description really makes it feel like it could be. It says it's a nightmarish fever dream, uh, and it, you know, just even the title, Raging Grace. Like I feel like there's this this promise or this at least allusion to a, a potential for violence or something. So maybe that's some false expectations, but I'm I'm curious about it from its uh, from its plot description. We shall see. Looks pretty good. Uh, and then we get this this little pack of five right here that I am really cl- curious to see how each one hits. We begin with another comedy called Late Bloomers about a 28-year-old yeah. from Brooklyn who just doesn't know what to do until she <laughs> she finds another older Polish lady who doesn't really know what to do. And then they kind of got to put up with each other. This has the ability to either be really funny, Zach. Or you know those comedies that's just kind of great at you? South by also <laughs> tends to be a place that gives me a lot of those. Now, I will say this. The director has done some stuff that has me curious, but has also done some shorts that I absolutely despise. I am not the biggest oh, no. fan of Sundowners, but they co-produce Plus One, and I enjoy that movie. So, Zach, right. I don't know how you're feeling about this comedy called Late Bloomers. I mean, <laughs> I'm... I'm intrigued by the promise of a cranky elderly Pelish woman as somebody who has had to listen to a lot of them in my time. Uh, it's also got an interesting cast because beyond staring Car- Karen Gillan, it's got one of our favorites in a supporting role, Jermaine Fowler, uh, showing up, and uh, Kevin Nealon, who's awesome. also occasionally funny in movies like this. So, yeah. We shall see. Late Bloomers. The next one is yet another comedy, but this is more like a family drama if you've been a boy, you've had this, especially if you've been <laughs> an immigrant child. There is that point where you got to cut that peach fuzz that doesn't make you a man. The movie's called Mustache. It is coming from Imran J. Khan, who's been an editor on some pretty big movies. Space Jam, A New Legacy. Minions, Rise of Gru. A lot of these <laughs> festivals allow this kind of like a tunnel, a funnel, where you've been working on a lot of big industry projects. And then you come uh, here to the narrative competition and you're able to make a pretty you know, heartfelt tale about... Something dealing with you growing up. And yeah. when I think of uh, a Pakistani American growing up uh, in the mid-90s and having to shave his mustache, of course I think of Alicia Silverstone, who is the headliner in this movie, <laughs> according to South Bay Southwest. She seems to be making an insane comeback. Uh, so she's going to play some pivotal role in this movie. You also have, obviously, the, uh, I want to say, it's going to be uh, rounding out the cast with Rizwan. Hassan Minhaj is also going to be on it. So you have, like, a pretty yeah. strong supporting cast. And then, of course... The kid actor who's going to be leading it and uh, wondering if he shaves the mustache. My money's on him shaving the mustache. Uh, I, ju- <laughs> I just hope the movie's able to deliver on that, like, awkwardness, right? Um, so, mustache. Family comedy drama. Talk about this next one because this is another one you want to see in theaters. Story Ave, a movie that was a short and is now being adapted into a feature. Yeah, I mean, it, it's got an intriguing uh, promise about uh, – a t- and- an artistic teen who's on the brink of losing himself. And that artistic teen is played by Asante Black, who we just saw in a Sundance movie, Landscape with Invisible Hand. I've, I've liked him since we first saw him. uh, We, but since we first saw him in what was the uh, Ava DuVernay show, When They See Us. Um, He was great in When They See Us. 
and I've got another. It's got another one of my favorites as the as a supporting role in Luis Guzman, um, and it's sort of about them. Uh, what happens when Kadir tries to rob uh, Luis? And I, I just think that's like an intriguing premise to start your movie with. Um, yeah, I, I, this one I'm basing a lot off of my love for the cast. I feel like that will definitely like get me in there. But the premise has got uh, got me intrigued as well. I'm excited for it, too, because of the fact that uh, Aristotle Torres, who's the director, he kind of mm-hmm. did the short. And I'm not sure if the feature as well through the Sundance Labs. Uh, we've been keeping an eye on that. Sundance Lab movies don't premiere at Sundance. They'll keep premiering everywhere. Uh, what's the one? A- After Sun? That's a Sundance Lab movie. Sundance is mm-hmm. like, forget a festival. We're trying to be a distributor. So right. it, it had that. This man has worked with J. Cole, Nas, and 2 Chains. He's done commercials for Starbucks, Pepsi, Red Bull. He's got a lot of backing for this movie. You had mentioned Luis. He's EP on this movie. Mm. He's EP. Jamie Foxx awesome. is EP. This man oh. has a lot... A lot of things going for this movie here, so um, I haven't seen the short. I could not find the short off the Sundance Lab, so I'd be curious to see how that plays. But, I mean, I'm with you. That thumbnail, that's still in the premise. It's got me there, so hopefully it delivers. Yeah. Story Avenue, a drama playing in the narrative competition. Moving on to our top two is another drama called Parachute. Last year, we had one of the biggest horror movies was X that starred Britney Snow. Britney Snow said, hey... What if I came in here and made a feature <laughs> directorial movie? She has made a short in the mm-hmm. past called Milkshake, but I believe this is her feature film debut. A lot of y'all may know her from Pitch Perfect. Uh, like I said, she was last year at South by with Axe. Here she's bringing even Kid Cudi back with her to make this movie. Yeah. Uh, it follows this woman who just got released from rehab, but she's kind of dealing with her body image. It reminds me a lot of uh, a Sundance movie from a couple years back called To the Bone. So we'll see how this plays out. But it seems to be a very good cast uh, with Thomas Mann, Courtney Eden. I'm curious to see how she's able to deliver this drama. Yeah, you didn't even mention Dave Bautista, Gina Rodriguez, Bro, Joel McHale. I just saw Dave Bautista's name on there. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Look, it looks like it's going to be pretty good. The the writer on this as well uh, is Brittany Snow, but also Becca Gleason, who's done a couple of Prime stuff. Uh, she did The Summer mm. I Turned Pretty, uh, Summer 03. She likes summers uh, and people like <laughs> growing into their own. So I'm sure that she's yeah. got that down and hopefully with Parachute might have a good, uh, good screenplay minimum at hand. But I'm curious to see her direction. So Parachute will be playing in the U.S. dramatic or just narrative feature competition. Now we got awesome. her number one, bro. I just feel like anything dealing anything dealing with this woman, and it's going to appear in our top list. There is a right. movie called I Used to Be Funny. It stars the one and only Rachel, and she's playing a stand-up comedian, but an incident happened that may have her reflecting back on this career. Zach, that already sold us. Did you see yeah. the email that said they are making a uh, adjacent comedy special called We Used to Be Funny, where her and some of the other stand-up cast members will be doing a stand-up special. Not Let's only that, go. I got I got it favorited because I don't think there's anything better for us to do at that part at That's that awesome. part of South by Southwest. Uh, luckily, our film and TV badge gives us access to the comedy uh, events. 
So I'm mm-hmm. 100% there. Not only is it going to feature Rachel Sennett, it's going to feature Caleb Heron, who I find very funny. Nice. And yeah, I mean, I was I was positing to Caitlin, like, is this going to be the last time we see Rachel Sennett do stand-up live? I wonder if she's on that, like, a... a ascendant trajectory where she's Might just going to be like acting and stuff from here on out. Mm. Until she gets cast in Dune. You might be able to see one more <laughs> performance, but yeah. <laughs> Unless she, once she gets that marble bag, you never know. She might be in Thunderbolts as well. But yeah, the moment I saw that, that made me really excited because that's what we said. Yeah, the, the, the badges in the past are really expensive, but the ability to be able to also see a stand-up show, a music show, anything that's adjacent to it makes it a really fleshed-out event because you have all of these different parts. When we get to the music docs, there will be a lot of those musicians also performing. Um, just another thing to add. It's easily our number one. I think you agree as well. Uh, the director, writer, worked on The Great, which I think you like. Shrill, I which do. I think is a really good show. Shit's yeah. Creek. I think people like that show a lot. So there's a lot writing on this movie. Um, easily one of the standouts of the fest for us. I used to be funny. So that's the headliners. That's the narrative competition. Some good picks already at play. Pretty much if Emma's on the title, go to it. But... <laughs> We still have one more, the narrative spotlight. This is supposed to be movies that have already kind of played in other places around the world but are trying to get their, like, big American premiere. Um, I also love Texas because if it's already played in America, they'll call it the Texas premiere. It's played a Texas to Austin <laughs> premiere. Um, yeah. But we have some good ones here. Talk about what's previously played here. Well, narrative spotlight uh, was the place where current Oscar nominee to Leslie featuring the one one and only Andrea Riseborough premiered. They said no one saw this movie, but one of us did. (laughs) If you were at South by Southwest last year, maybe you did too. Uh, The Art of Self-Defense, I think a really underrated Riley Stern's dry comedy with Jesse Eisenberg. I think that movie's hilarious. That had its premiere at South by. That feels like a very South by Southwest movie. As well, it that kind of comedy was the perfect. They remember they hounded me down and somehow found my address and sent me the. I lost it. I'm sorry, Art of Self Defense uh, or Riley Stearns. Like, oh, is it right there? Is it still alive? Oh, it's up there somewhere. I didn't think you could see it, but they did. They sent me a little thing for the Art of Self Defense. I guess they didn't like print out the patches before. Patch. They didn't print out the patches beforehand, so they ended up sending it afterwards. I have no idea how Riley Stearns knows where I live, but uh, again, <laughs> South by with the with the swag for the screenings. Absolutely. Um, and also in previous years, uh, support the girls, which I really love, as well as Peanut Butter Falcon, which I think I remember you saying was a like very emotional live screening to be at for South by. Yeah, I, I thought it was fantastic. Uh, it was really cool to see them all there talking about it. Zach was there. I can't remember if Shia was there. Um, it did also uh, make me realize a lot about movies that day because this is a movie that I love and I still like to this day. But I'm sure that there are a lot of other things that have happened since then with the La Bufa song <laughs> that people could take into account. And I'll add another yeah. one in there since I mentioned in the past. This is when I realized very quickly, oh, yeah, you didn't just get Dakota Fanning and Shia and this is an independent movie. You're lying about it being independent because the directors and the producers just straight up told me, yeah, we were just lying about that. We already have distribution. And I sat there outside the state theater for a minute going – Oh, that's how these festivals work. So I have so much about Peanut Butter Falcon that uh, it gave me an emotional ride as a movie, but it also yeah. mentally prepared me a lot for these festivals. So yes, Peanut Butter Falcon was a good was a good pick from this list. Uh, so what um, do we got from this year's a selection of narrative spotlight choices? 
We got a lot, so let's go through the first half pretty quickly. Uh, you sing loud, I sing louder. I don't know if you got to see this man in an Apple movie pretending to hang out with his brother who's not really his brother, but McGregor said, what if you saw me hang out with my daughter playing my daughter writing the script? This <laughs> is uh, just that. It's 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 a father and his estranged daughter played by a father and hopefully not his real life estranged daughter, but uh, Clara McGregor. She has a story by credit here. And that is You Sing Loud, I Sing Louder. Uh, that will be premiering there, probably coming up to like, I don't know, cool. Apple TV Plus or something. Yeah. Northern Comfort, kind of interesting. A, diver- a diverse group of people with a chronic fear of flying are stranded in the wintry north. Looks like a little goofy movie, a comedy that comes from Hafstein Gunnar Sigurdsson. But Timothy Spall, I think, always tends to be a, a pretty funny guy, a good lead. He seems to be the person who uh, the whole group is kind of uh, surrounding themselves around. Co-production from Germany, Iceland, and the UK that's played overseas. It's not going to be playing over here. So if you're scared about flying, Northern Comfort might bring you some of that. This is the movie you needed before you got stuck in the terrible airport, Zach, on the way to Sunday. <laughs> Another one that's going to get a little confusing, Zach. This, this, we're going to do a two for here. There are two movies called National Anthem. And one one out. So I'm going to stick with the national anthem that's still called National Anthem. There is a movie <laughs> coming out by a director named Luke Guilford. He has done a bunch of uh, music videos for Kesha, Troy Sivan. So he, he's been in the LGBT world a lot in terms of uh, who he's uh, done collaborations with. Here he's written and directed this. And it's supposed to be this drama of a 21-year-old in New Mexico who starts becoming or getting involved with a community of queer rodeo workers uh this is the poster this is the only still we've gotten everything else is like a a picture of the director uh and that's all i know about this movie but then i come to find out that there's another movie called national anthem that had to change his name so when i saw this still i'm like wait wait wait, the gay cowboy is paul hauser and sydney sweeney no 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 this is another movie called national anthem it's a crime thriller that changes name to americana so again, Zach, to not get it, not get it confused, national yeah. anthem, queer cowboys, Americana, Americana maybe maybe Paul queer cowboys. cowboys. I don't know yet. Yeah. I don't know yet. <laughs> to be uh, determined. So we'll see. To be determined. But nonetheless, we've got two, I guess, American-based cowboy films in the spotlight. One, but uh, while national <laughs> anthem is a drama, Americana is being uh, pitched as a crime thriller. Uh, but it seems to be like a last-minute addition here. So I'm curious on both of these, and I'm curious to see why National Anthem won over Americana for the title. So we'll, we'll see who rightfully deserved it by the end of it. But keep yeah. both of those on your radar. Uh, as we move on to Zach, we need a name for this. And it can't be the these kids because that that's at a school. <laughs> what do you call the one? And honestly, I just got to go back to this, man. Dennis Quaid is on a run making these movies where he's the one dude, the one American dude mm-hmm. who helps the kids. Like the Mexican kids who want to play a sport that they're not allowed to play or they can't afford to play. He's been in a couple of these already. Maybe it's just because the same director. Maybe it's just because of my age, the the years that I grew up. But I just want to call these movies like they're all hardball, right? Like this is Dennis Quaid's hardball. Yes. Again. Yeah. Uh, This is a story. uh, It's supposed to take place in the 50s. Uh, A bunch of Mexican-American kids can't really play golf. 
this other guy also got kicked out and he can't play golf. And he's like, oh my gosh, I'm going through what the Mexicans are going through. I got kicked out of my country club. <laughs> and then he becomes a cool teacher. Uh, it's practically, they're, they're pitching it as a, a field of dreams. But I guess like with Mexicans, Julio Quintana has <laughs> done a couple of stuff with Quaid. He recently did Blue Miracle with him. Oh. What's interesting about this guy is he has a bio where he's like, I worked under the apprenticeship of Terrence Malick. And he did. He worked on the trio life. He worked on, I don't know, Night of Cups or something else. And Terrence Malick did produce his first movie, The Vessel. I think I think it's, this is a decent movie. Hmm. I don't know what's happened since then with the Netflix Blue <laughs> Miracle. And I don't think that's being turned around for the historical drama, yeah. The Long Game. But nonetheless, you got your two-hour regular, you know, story. I never hate these movies. It reminds me of Spare Parts, I think. I can't remember who did that one, but again... The kids needed to build something, and then they built it. They needed to play something, and then they played it. Uh, it's also based off of a book called The Mustang Miracle, so if that interests you, go check out. Uh, the Long Game. Fry. The next one is Fry Bread Face and Me, a drama about two Navajo cousins, one who's kind of been away from the tribe and just been kind of assimilated into just you know regular American culture, and another one who hasn't. They come together, and they kind of go through their history and their past and just a bunch of different things. The producer's Taika Waititi. Uh, the director-writer on this has worked on AMC a lot, which is how I'm assuming they kind of came to be on Dark Winds. It's going to be in English. It's going to be in Navajo. Seems like it's going to be a solid uh, little independent story between these two cousins. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of excited for this one. Fry bread They're really pushing uh, Taika Waititi's EP involvement in the emails for this one. Bruh, Taika, like, he, yes, he's indigenous in Australia, but they like indigenous <laughs> in America, indigenous here. Man, they're taking this man everywhere. But uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm excited for it. And if it helps to, if it helps push the story, sure. Fry bread facing me. The next one is Deadland, bro. Check this one out. A U.S. Border Patrol makes a routine apprehension that will haunt them forever. And it's supposed Ooh. to be possibly the ghost of a parent that may be coming after him. There's two movies kind of dealing with borders. This is my second one that I'm anticipating. The other one's going to be even crazier. But they somehow both still deal with, like, ghosts and demons. Uh, I'm curious to see how this one uh, plays out because it's being pitched as a drama thriller. Uh, hopefully it's not too slow. It's only 91 minutes. Banking on this one. Deadland. Yeah. Playing in the U.S. spotlight. Very cool. The next one is called This Closeness. I don't know if you know anything about this actress, director, writer. I Ever don't. seen any of her movies? Um, Kids are. I haven't. I don't think she's so. Had, she has this one that just made it to movie. I had it on my radar for a little bit because it played at some festivals. Just touched down on movie. Uh, also stars, writes, directs in it. This one is her and her partner go to stay at an Airbnb, but because the dude's always away, she ends up kind of being stuck with the Airbnb host, which I really hope doesn't happen to us at South by. But, like, he's kind of a recluse, and eventually the more that her partner's away, I don't know, some closeness may be happening uh, in other ways. Her previous film feels like a very indie drama, all on the performances and the script and how they rely on each other, so I'll be very curious to check out this one, uh, as well as their other one yeah. that's in a movie, so I'll be doing a double. I have this one on my list as well. I feel like it sounds really intriguing. It reminded me a little bit of just the premise, the Sophia Tikal film Green, and just the the like in, the hmm. worrisome intimacy, I guess, uh, that is implied by the uh, short plot description. I'm I'm into it. I want to see it. 
I'll have to check out that other one. Send me that one. That one seems pretty interesting sure. as well. All right. Moving on to the last two in this list, Peak Season, the story of a woman who <laughs> has had to drift apart. And then another one where she is also on vacation and may kind of be uniting with somebody else, even though she has a fiance. We'll see. A lot of these couples going yeah. some places and then kind of coupling up with somebody else. Uh, here's the thing, though. The duo here are the directors who worked on a little South by movie that I also kind of found to be hilarious. The End of Us, a COVID movie okay. where these two split and then the pandemic happens and they're stuck living with each other, even though they nice. just broke up. So this seems to be a thing. I hope the boys are OK, but they love writing these movies about couples who end up in <laughs> scenarios that they don't really want to be in. So peak season. They have a good track record for me. Kind of excited for this little comedy drama. Yeah, another uh, one with a premise that intrigued me. It looks pretty good. The next yeah. one is Bloody Hell. You talked about the fallout. Mm. Could she have another one in her hands? You have Maddie Ziegler returning uh, as a teenage girl who has this condition. And I'm going to write it here because it's semi-autobiographical to the director. It is uh, MRKH syndrome. I googled it. Some wild stuff. The director, Molly McGillan, is in a lot of TV series, um, mm. and in particular, she's calling this her semi-autobiographical feature and what she had to go through. She also has Janelle Monet producing. I don't see her in the cast. Interesting. Boy, that's a pretty powerful producer to have. Yeah. Uh, so I'm curious. She, I, she's been able to prove her dramatic worth, I think, in some titles. As a lead, though, I'd be curious to see what Maddie could do. Yeah. So, uh, it's definitely intriguing. Done. Yeah. Good title, too. Bloody hell. Mm-hmm. And right. this is one of the All uh, of ones that's got a couple uh, – that's got a couple – it's one of the ones that's not a headliner but still has a screening at the stateside theater. So that's interesting too. Nice. Again, yeah. great point. If it has one there, you know that they're hyping it up a little bit. All right. These next ones kind of all get a thumbs up from me. If You Were Last is is kind of yeah. rallying up to be a bigger movie than I expected. I know it's a big cast. You see them right there. You got future Captain America or present Captain America, uh, as well as um, Zoe Chow. She's been in a yes. lot of stuff. Like She appears in every single comedy possible. They're leading this one as two astronauts who've been lost forever. And even though they're friends, they're like, should we try it? Maybe? I don't know. <laughs> this comes from Christian Mercado, who last year or two years ago, had a winner on him, bro. I don't know if you got to see his short film. Uh, Nuevo Rico, I think, won the South by Southwest top short. Bro, and we were oh, rooting that, for that one. I had no this idea that was him. Fire. What a stylish, yeah. cool movie. Nah. Right? And, and besides the style, yeah. the story in this and what the siblings go to, you know, to keep their, their musical style, I thought was really raw. Turns out this man's yeah. worked with Hannibal Burris. He's worked with Alana oh. Glazer. He's worked with my chemical romance uh some guy named mf doom zach so this dude has worked with a bunch of people who i consider to be very talented and now he's working with more people who i consider to be very talented natalie morales is rumored to be in this movie i don't even want to say rumored i just i don't understand where she comes in i'm excited for this bro a sci-fi romance coming from a director who's already got a really good track record Uh, oh yeah that should be a should be a pretty solid film. I keep forgetting the title of that one, but every time I remember, I like Me I, I too. need to see it. Yeah, so this is going to be one that we're going to have title. to see. In, they might have to, but they might also have to change PR people because I asked for a screening. They say no. They say you got to show up. So <laughs> unless they're hyping this one big, uh, yeah, we, we might have had it early, but I'm so curious to check it out. It seems like it's going to be pretty interesting. We have another comedy on the horizon right here called Down Low, and Zach, 
I, I like to not spoil things for Zach, but I had to spoil one for this. It's a comedy about a repressed dude who's living with a young dude, and they just ruin everything. It comes from a guy named Ryder Doyle. And I'm like, Zach, you know Ryder Doyle. That's your boy. Zach's like, I've never seen, heard of this man in my life. <laughs> Until I went, bro, he plays Nick Nickleby in a little show called Barry. He's directing a movie. I then tell Zach, it doesn't even stop there. The guy who's starring in the movie, Lucas Gage, Lucas is Gage. the writer to the movie. And I didn't realize Zach knows him from a lot of stuff. Zach has recommended How to Blow Up a Pipeline. He's yeah. the lead in that movie. He's been in You. He's been in Love, Victor. He's been in White Lotus, Euphoria, Veronica Mars. My, my bandwidth can't even keep Euphoria. up with everything that he's been in. Now he's in Down Low with Zachary Quinto, Simon Rex. This could be the funniest thing at the festival, or it can be. How long is this? <laughs> 90 minutes. 90 of, minutes of pain? Of pure torture if it doesn't hit. We are deciding where we're going to play Russian roulette to see this movie. And one of these theaters is going to be the lucky one. And hopefully there's a bar outside. I don't know, man. You, you're a bigger Barry fan than I am. Do you have faith that an apprentice off of Barry can carry that energy into something else? Um, I mean, I, you know, his role on Barry has a lot of awkward cringe comedy to it. So maybe that has sort of, you know, I feel like that's maybe a little glimpse at what hopefully would come from it. Because just when you see the words outrageous comedy in the plot description yeah. and they're wearing those like outfits that. in. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I'm i trying to get myself like pumped for like the English version of Mother Schmuckers or something. Stop. I, they <laughs> wish, bro. Yeah. We'll see. I, I don't know if, we'll it, see. if Americans can even make a movie that depraved. Comes from Phoebe Fisher, who wrote, I know what you did last summer, so probably not, Zach. The next one is The Only Good Survive, a crime thriller starring an actress who we really like, Sydney Flanagan. She was fantastic in Never Rarely, Sometimes, Always, Out of Sundance, a movie we highly, highly, highly recommend. We did a Let Us Explain for it. They didn't like it. They copyrighted that video immediately. <laughs> that's exactly what's going to help you get the audience like a Marvel movie. Right. Uh, we like her as an actress, but we haven't been able to see her in something else. Here she comes in with a lead performance as this girl who's kind of part of a heist gone wrong. There may be a call. There may be a treasure at play that they're trying to hunt down. But maybe you don't know who's lying in this group. Uh, we were sent a screener for this, so we will have this on our horizon. And I'm very curious to see uh, how the movie does, not just because I'm a fan of, uh, of crime thrillers, but Dutch Southern was a writer. We had just mentioned this, bro. On that Power Rangers um, fan fiction film that went to YouTube that got a lot of hype, that ironically also got copyrighted and taken down. Uh, so I'm curious to see what he has, what he can come up with uh, in an actual narrative film that he's going to be able to, to, to put out there. He also came out in Bad Turn Worse, which I told you was a movie that I covered early on. It, like the original version yeah. of the of the Must Watch was a monthly thing I used to do on the A to Z show. This was one of the first one. And look who it has, your girl, Mackenzie Davis. So Ah, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's, he's worked with a couple of good people. And now he has a very interesting premise. Just be careful with the the I, one of the descriptions on IMDb or something kind of spoils uh, who mm. the cult is. So just be careful with that. Interesting. Um, but only the good survive. A movie coming out as a crime thriller at South by. Talk about upon entry. A movie both you and I are very excited for. Yeah, I mean it's 
got what seems like a fairly simple starting point, but one that I'm I'm extremely excited to see where they take it to because it's about this couple uh, moving to the U- U.S. and then brought uh, uh, brought into the airport's immigration detention center, upon which. Uh, they're subjected to an inspection that reveals a bunch of stuff. And, you know, it's a slick 74-minute movie. It doesn't feel like it's going to overstay its welcome. Something about that gets me even more excited. It feels like they probably whittled this movie down to only the essential bits. And to That's me, fire. it sounds like, uh, was it Compliance, that that messed up movie about Ooh. the backroom McDonald's? Like, if we maybe we yeah. get something like that in store, I would be so unsatisfied. I, that's that's actually a really good one to put it because I love the the breakdown how they're saying they have to open up to like the stranger to get through, mm-hmm. but they've never said this stuff to each other, so it's kind of ruining their right. relationship. I, I'm rooting on the performances for this one. Upon entry, Nexus Hail Mary. This is what I was telling you about the border, bro. A modern day retelling of Mary and Joseph. Mexican woman gets <laughs> pregnant. They don't know how. Get their carpenter hustler husband, Jose, not even husband, to cross the border while they're being chased by a demon and the border patrol. And they don't know which <laughs> one's worse. I have scoped out uh, where to be for this one uh, because this not only comes from a director who's made some TV series people love. The good episodes of Walking Dead, Jessica Jones, Peacemaker. But then the writer is Nate Lee. He's got one movie on his horizon. Because everything else, while they're movies, it's technically a show. Dude, he is the stunt, the jackass concept coordinator (laughs) for all of the movies. This guy named Nate Lee. And he's the writer to this film about a modern day Mary and Joseph leaving (laughs) and crossing the border because they're being chased by Satan. I don't know what else there is to say. You also got a really good performance here because you have an actor who has done nothing but delivering everything he's in. Jack Houston. That's a baller right there. I'm really excited for this movie. This sounds like exactly the type of horror uh, adventure I want to see out of Sundance. And like Zach said, another horror movie that's not even in the midnight. It's being pitched mm-hmm. in the spotlight category. Hail mm-hmm. Mary. I have so many high hopes for. Please, please, please don't disappoint me. Uh, <laughs> Zach, you know more about this actress from Korobora than I do. Yeah. But after seeing her in, in Hacks... <sighs> I was almost willing to skip the Oscars to see her for the premiere of this one, but we found another screening. Talk about Korobora. Well, Meg Stalter is this very funny comedian who kind of has popped up in a bunch of places and uh, has made an increasing name for herself uh, recently. I think, like you mentioned, Hacks has probably been her biggest role to date. We we just saw her uh, in Sometimes I Think About st- Dying at Sundance, where she was also very funny. Here, it looks like she'll get her own kind of starring role in Korobora, a film about a woman who feels like her open relationship is falling apart. And I don't know, I think she's just got this very hilarious kind of um, confident, but you you know there's something wrong there energy to a lot of her comedy and i'm excited to see that showcased in in the lead of a film rather than just on the peripheries of one yeah the uh, chelsea peretti is also in this so she's gonna have yeah. really good people uh by her side manny jacinto who people really like um and then margaret show if margaret shows in a movie i at least know that there's gonna be one funny joke in there uh to double <laughs> it up the writer EP on Shiva Baby. This is a Shiva Baby podcast. Uh, any mentions or, or, or adjacent things for Shiva Baby will be mentioned. <laughs> but dude, I dragged y'all 
at Sundance to see this movie called Before You Know It. This That's is where, the okay. follow-up. This is the director to that movie. I know that was, score says 5.3, but I mm-hmm. like this movie. I stand by this movie. She wrote this movie <laughs> with her friend. I, I like Hannah Pearl, uh, and this is her follow-up. I'm a to Okay. So, you know, I recognized her name, and I couldn't figure out where it was from, but thank you for Give that for one a rewatch me. if you can, dude. Give yeah. that one a rewatch. Before you know it was funny, man. It's just you got to be in the right headspace, and and I know we brought the whole group to go see that yep. one, but uh, I'm I'm excited that she's doing something else because because she's really talented and uh, definitely it, it has me hyped up because I like her comedy. Um, the next one, let's talk about this one, War Pony. It premiered at Cannes and won the Camera Dior, and it is one of the directorial debuts of Riley Keough, who's co-directing it with her friend Gina Gamal, yeah, who made a production company back in 2019. Have you heard anything about this movie? I mean, I think Amanda caught it back at Khan and thought it was interesting. We were talking a bit to her. Nice. Uh, although, uh, yeah, it, I mean, it's interesting that it also focuses on she this uh, indigenous community at a reservation on a reservation, and just that Riley Keough is involved in this kind of story intrigued me too. Um, I'm excited mainly because of the way that they say they're gonna like surround the cast, all these young boys. It reminds me of the one that we had mentioned earlier with the cousins and them coming together to, like, you know, figure out who they are as people growing up. But what I find interesting is that you have this coming out on May 11th, reportedly, by Caviar TV. Every time we come hmm. to these festivals, uh, there's always a new one. And we always wonder. Uh, four years ago at Sundance, there was t- uh, Topic Studios. And I go, I don't know. Yeah. They're picking up a lot of movies. <laughs> Remember when we were talking Topic about Studios fifth season and then it showed up as the production logo on uh, the John Carney movie? Fifth season's everywhere now? Yeah. I need a yeah. shirt from them. I've always wanted a shirt from fifth season. Uh, but we're going to need one for Felix Cooper probably as well. I like it. I, I'm, you know, Riley Keough, I'm not getting too into it. It's It's been a rough year. I'll put it that way if you follow the news. Um like really, it actually has. I don't know how much you know. It's It's been pretty yeah. tough. Her mom just passed. Uh, you've got what like it's still Elvis being in the news every single day, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm curious to see what she's able to do with this as she transitions into a director. I'm I'm actually really excited for War Pony as well. Top three, Zach. Self Reliance. Yes. You continue to kind of like I'm iffy on this one too, but you're trying to convince me that Jake Johnson can write, direct. <laughs> And convince not only us, but the people in this movie where he's confronted by some uh, group of people saying, as long as you're not alone, you're going to get a million dollars. And he goes, that's easy. Mm-hmm. All I have to do is not be alone. No one in his family. No one, no one, no friends. No, no one who's housed. No one believes him. So he kind of might actually be in trouble because it's not just a million dollars or however much this reality show may try to kill him. You have faith in him. <laughs> I do. I mean, I generally find Jake Johnson to be like a pretty hilarious person. Um, I, I don't know if he's yet like found the right groove um, in his movies, but I'm hopeful for this one because not only does it Debut. come from him, the executive producers are Lonely Island on this. Talk too. about it. Thank you for saying that. Yes. yes. And that um, makes me I don't want know. to almost, almost. Go all in completely. I just don't know. Right. I mean, um, look I'm, at the cast. I'm, I'm you got torn. you got frequent uh, Jake Johnson collaborator Anna Kendrick. She's been in a bunch of um, Joe Swanberg movies alongside him. Uh, Andy Samberg, 
Natalie Morales, who we just mentioned, always delightful. Christopher Lloyd, Wayne Brady, yeah. Gata. Like, well, what's going on here? The the dude who plays Detective Crashmore in I Think You Should Leave is the other person in that profile picture. I, I'm really, really excited for whatever self-reliance is. Okay. 89 minutes. Here's the thing. We're running... <laughs> We're running deep on these 90-minute movies, and one of them's going to end up feeling like three hours. Let's hope this <laughs> is the one that delivers. Self-reliance. Yep. Uh, funny little comedy coming out. The next mm-hmm. one, we're in our top two, is BlackBerry, a comedy bio-drama about the creation of BlackBerry. And I still cannot believe that the person on screen is freaking Jay Burrishell. You can change his face. I don't know what. VFX, what Top Gun voice changing technology y'all gonna get for me to not hear the voice from How to Train Your Dragon? But sure. <laughs> he is playing supposedly from the beginning of the garage stages to the yeah. collapse of the story of Blackberry. It's already premiered. And it's been getting decent reviews. I think that dude I think that dude with the shaved head is actually Glenn Howerton from It's Always Sunny. So he's not playing the lead. I I think I don't know who the lead of the movie is. I, I think that might be Colleen. Jay Burrishell, and and that's what keeps having me go. Ain't no way he's playing a major in there because they do have him in one of the uh, right there. Yeah, here's the picture, and that's Jay Burrishell, my dude. <laughs> that's him right there. <laughs> I think he's playing the lead. I'm very curious. Uh, but Glenn Howerton's also also a star of this. Uh, as is Carrie Elwes. Uh, it got it premiered at the Berlin Film Festival already and got pretty solid reviews too. I don't know. Again, sort of the same thing that I was talking about uh, with the flame and hot story. Like, I feel like there might just be something to these like un- these like corporate intrigue stories that you might not think has enough material for a movie. Maybe there is. I- I'm hopeful. I'll I'll say for this one because do you know who Matt Johnson, the director, is? Uh, I just know that he's Canadian. I forget what else he's done. He's done a couple of shows, Nirvana, the band, the show. He's got this animation one. But oh, the one that's okay. always stood out to me is The Dirties. Yes. This is the guy who starred and is also in The Dirties about two dudes who got bullied at school. That I'm going to leave that in the poster for you to know about it. I think you could stream yeah. this for free online. I remember this being an early movie that was mentioned and put in my horizon. He's an interesting director. So yeah. he does seem like a guy who could take a story that, like you said, is very corporate and just not give a crap, bro. I'm very curious to see how this is. Like you said, it had a premiere. I will be there. I will be there to watch it. Day <laughs> one. I don't know if this has – do you know if it has like an actual uh, release date for people to see? Uh, I'm not sure, but I, I bet you it's got uh, per, uh, distribution already. All right. Right here it says it may be releasing April 28th, so – Ooh, Not too far okay. out of the way, but maybe able to see it a little bit early. Uh, our number one, I'm very excited for this, and I'm worried that it will drop all the way to the bottom. Appendage was a short film that I did enjoy. You can find it over on YouTube. It also starts Rachel Sennett. Oh, what? Uh, well, Rachel Sennett again. I can't believe it. Rachel Sennett yeah. was really good in that short. Um, it then got picked up by Hulu to be a part of this bite-sized Halloween thing, so you can't even like IMDb the short because it's an episode now. I have thoughts about how they're commercializing that, but nonetheless, that means Hulu will now have the feature, Appendage, that's taking the short and making it this uh, long-form thing about a girl who kind of has a part of her who may be taking over her life. 
I'm curious. It's not Rachel Senate. They kind of swapped them out. Um, and like yeah. I said, it is owned by Disney now. It is commissioned by uh, Hulu, and it will be coming out not that far away. So I was really excited for it. And the more I learn about it, I'm not going to lie, it, it's it's falling down a little and a little and a little. <laughs> but I still want to root for it. Appendage. Yeah, I, I wasn't the biggest fan of the short film, but it does strike me as huh? a oh. short that was that felt like a concept for a feature. Like maybe it would be go deeper Fair. and have more to see, reveal if you expanded on the premise. Fair. Uh, but those are all of our top ones for headliners. Spotlight. Again, yeah. I don't know if you want to name some off the top of your head, but from this category right here, Hail Mary is one that I really want to root for. It's something that uh, I hope just delivers and comes out as a splash. The way that we love Talk to Me out of Sundance, that's one out of uh, the Spotlight one. What's what's the Spotlight one for you? Oh, shoot. Uh, let me pull up the Spotlight uh, section because there's so much there. I mean, I, I BlackBerry was high on the list for me, as was Korobora uh, and Self-Reliance. So those are probably the three that I'm most excited for there. Uh, my one from the competition, if you had one, I, I think we'd both double that one up. I used to be funny. That's going to be the one to go for. Uh just, honestly, and then headliners, the one with Rachel Senate bottom. So yep, <laughs> anything yep. Rachel Senate adjacent, you'll be able to get. Um, <laughs> but now we got all of our documentaries. We are combining what is the documentary feature competition, the documentary spotlight, and 24 beats per second, which are documentaries, but usually based off of musicians. Uh, running through these, we have Queendom, the story uh, that takes place in Russia of an artist who's kind of kind of uh, retransforming what a lot of people think. It comes from one of the producers who did Welcome to Chechnya. You know how high I put that movie. I feel like Welcome to Chechnya covers its subject matter like no other has, especially when dealing with this uh, uh, sort of subject matter in Russia. This is supposed to be the same thing, but from an artist's perspective, we'll see how this goes. Um, they're already kind of like falling down because they're one of those that have uh, links available for a movie where someone is not accepted, but they have to see if they can accept you for screenings. Moving on, Join or Die, a documentary. You just let me know if any of these interest you, Zach. Join or oh, actually yeah. give me the thumbs up. Well, yeah, you're nay these docs. Join or Die. <laughs> I, I, uh, I liked both of the or die premises. Right, there's two or there's, dies. There's two. Join or Die. Yeah is about uh, an American uh, revolutionary who was telling people, his name is Robert Putnam, y'all need to be in groups. If you're not in groups, you know, you're kind of falling apart. And I was like, that's right. You know, <laughs> be it a church, be it a school, be it an intercut podcast. You kind of need yeah. a, a social side to it. Uh, stars Hillary Clinton, Pete Buttigieg, Eddie S. McLeod, and is by the Vox Explainer <laughs> series. I, I play the trailer and this guy starts talking about social credit and I'm like, oh my gosh. All right, you had me and then it, it, South by is always going to have a political doc. I'm not judging it till I see it, but I'm curious to see mm -hmm. where it takes it because it's, it's like pitching like, go outside, uh, exercise, but also make sure that you buy my book and my thing that you need or else you won't be able to lose the calories <laughs> you want. I like it. It seems really intriguing, um, and the Vox Explainer people, look at them. It is the same style like they did on YouTube, like they did on Netflix, and now they're doing it at a South by Southwest film festival. You got a yay or nay on mm. this? Uh, I'm into it. It's, it seems right. intriguing. I mean, I feel like there's a little bit of bait and switch going on with the uh, the next, or was it Join or Die, or which one's the dialysis, or the... Join or Die wants you to join a group. Pay or die oh, yeah, yeah, wants yeah. to call out the there biggest cartel, as Woody Harrelson would say, which is <laughs> the pharmaceutical company. Two Absolutely. million Americans are being held ransom from 
insulin. Uh, if you know anything about the insulin crisis, it's it's pathetic. I don't know if you have yeah. people or know people with diabetes. Like it's it's messed mm-hmm. up. One of the directors here also has done stuff for Gutsy. <laughs> There's uh, the Clintons again, but the co-director on here, they did they did them dirty, bro. You ever seen somebody be like, co-director has done this, this, and this. The other co-director uh, has diabetes. It's like, come on, bro. <laughs> Tell me something else. Tell me the speeches they gave. Like, Give me another prerequisite. But it, it sounds like it's going to be a hard-hitting documentary kind of breaking down where they're screwing people over. Because if you know anything about it, uh, they are overcharging to a degree that is yeah. it, it's robbery. So Absolutely. Pay or Die is a, is a crazy title for it. This is the or die that I'm uh, more intrigued on. More excited, see. yeah. How it, how it goes. So join or die or pay or die. There can uh, only be one next, or die. So we'll choose the best one. There can only be one. Yeah. Angel applicant, dude. I'm going to pitch you this one. You give me the A or nay. There right. is an artist who was sick with this. Uh, let me let me see what it is. Systemic scleroderma. He was an artist who used what he had as a way to cope with it. And he put it into his artwork. The artist's name was a Swiss German person named Paul Klee. This director is studying his stuff, proceeds to get the same life-threatening disease. And through the art that he's making of documentary filmmaking, he continues to pursue it because he notices how this artist used his own artwork to overcome it. All right. Wow. All right. I'm intrigued. Coming out by obscure pictures. Thumbs up from me. Very curious on this one, uh, especially how they're going to break the artwork. Another one is Another Body. It follows a college student after she discovers deep fakes of her circulating online. This is an intriguing way to cover what we're going to see with a, a couple of other docs on these lists. And even at Sundance, you're always going to have a lot of docs dealing with SA. But it's, it's expanded to like being more than a physical thing. To have uh, yourself online has been a thing that's been in the news with a lot of Twitch streamers. So to have a movie about it, uh, I have not seen yeah. one of these uh, unless it's been a short. So to have a full feature length film about this, it's going to be interesting to see how they tackle the subject material. Another mm-hmm. body dealing with deep picks. These are my top three from this category, though. Jeff McFedridge drawing a line. This guy has done so much artwork. He has done the watch faces on your Apple Watch. But Zach, what really intrigued me was that he has a credit. Get this. For making movie titles for Spike Jones, That's sick. Ooh, That's a pretty sick ooh. credit to have. Yeah. So it's a biography on him. I'm pretty excited for it. Yeah or nay? Of course. I mean, you tell me Spike Jones, I'll be there. Uh, he's also a producer and is a talking head along with Sofia Coppola. So some nice. interesting voices in there. Riders on the Storm, Zach. I looked at this picture and I thought it looked beautiful. The director has worked on a lot of different things for Vice and Nat Geo, has been the Afghanistan reporter since 06, specifically covering sports. And this is a sport that's played overseas. It is the uh, ancient national sport of Afghanistan where horsemen mm-hmm. battle for control of a headless goat. You know, usually you know, your NBC Sunday primetime stuff. Uh, right. The best part about this, bro. I would have never guessed Red Bull freaking Studios presents. <laughs> of course. Why do they, why, Zach, why do they have the craziest looking movie of the festival? Every still <laughs> from this film looks insane. I mm. did not expect to be excited for the uh, ancient national sport that has horsemen battle for control of a headless goat. I'm going to be there, dude. This looks like it's going to be really intriguing. It sounds like it's going to be shot impeccably. 
Yeah. Yeah or nay? Uh, definitely. That's a great description there. And I mean, sports sports has the built-in drama that would make a documentary that exciting. So I, I'm excited to become a huge fan of the sport I'm just learning about. I forgot to tell you, Buskashki, the sport, uh, isn't the only okay, thing yeah. I play. Uh, the Taliban's I mean, also taking control. <laughs> if Drive to Survive can get me to tune into F1 every week, I'm sure this movie can get me to tune into Buskashki. Why just start covering Buskashki on a weekly basis? <laughs> <laughs> and our number one, it will be coming to HBO. It is this hybrid called You Were My First Boyfriend that's taking a lot of her 1990s memories about what it was like to go to this dance, but also realizing, like, uh, actually, that isn't how it went. Uh, I may be like thinking of some of my stuff or my memories may be kind of uh, uh, they may not be correct as I thought they were. This comes from Mm -hmm. uh, a couple of producers who have worked on some good stuff. They just did the stroll over from Sundance. If this is going to HBO and on HBO, they worked on Mind Over Murder has Mm. me intrigued. Uh, I'm a big fan of hybrid documentaries. I think that they're able to do something interesting with it from weaving uh, a narrative reenactments to, you know, talking heads and such. So I think it could be really cool. You are my first boyfriend. Top of the list. Yeah, this one was um, probably the top of my list as well. Exactly. Uh, and you never know. Some of the ones that we mentioned here could be big because I forgot to cut it to you on some of the ones that have premiered here. Yeah. Uh, well, just last year, we had Jurassic Punk, uh, the Pez Outlaw, which I know you were a big fan of. Dude, uh, but it's on I Netflix. Think Please the, watch it. But I think... For me, the best film, or at least the best film that was in the documentary competition last year, uh, also made it to the Oscar shortlist. That's Bad Axe, a really phenomenal documentary uh, that, you know, kind of took one family's experience of the year 2020 and you end up being like a cipher to how everybody felt around that time. Yeah, and I think that was able to garner up someone like the Indie Awards. It sadly didn't go yeah. farther than what it needed to, but all of those are really great picks. And the best part with the documentaries is when they get those streaming premieres so that you're able to actually see them uh, from the comfort of your own home because it's usually difficult Absolutely. to catch a lot of these. All right, documentary spotlight. Yeah, moving Shoot. on to bocu- documentary spotlight. Uh, do we want to get into the previous movies that Tell have me. been in this category first? All right, so. Go. Uh, this is a place where you see a lot of profile documentaries, I feel like. So Clerk, the Kevin Smith documentary, looking at uh, his life and career, had its premiere here at South By a couple years ago. Also, Tony Hawk, Until the Wheels Fall Off, which ended up over on HBO. I know you like that one as well. That had a premiere uh, at South By. We Feed People, which I liked quite a bit, looking at Chef Jose Andres and his uh, charity work. Uh, also directed by Ron Howard, that was at South by last year, and the and as well as uh, We Are as Gods, which is not a profile documentary, but a a really fantastic sort of look at uh, life and Earth and extinction and science and uh, mm-hmm. I, just a very fascinating documentary. I'd call that I'd call that one a little bit of a profile because the dude he was worried that he was never going to be able to be around for the dinosaurs. Um, True. And I got to add it because I saw you link it there. You linked it. I got to shout out. You cannot kill David Arquette. This man yeah. really made a documentary where he almost died trying to have yep. a rebirth. So a lot of good profiles. That's, thank you for saying that because that's actually a great way to look at a lot of these that we're going to be breaking down. Uh, starting off, Who I Am Not, a documentary that's exploring people who are born male and female within one body. Uh, we were looking up 
the way that they've expanded the category to be LGBTQIA, the eyes for intersex. And with this, you have uh, a lot of people who are kind of being snipped because these are people who are born intersex. They have sometimes both body parts and really it's mm. about uh, the medical practices and a lot of their journeys along the way. Who I am not. You don't get a lot of those movies, so uh, that will be an interesting documentary to explore. Periodical reminded me a lot of the Sundance winner from a couple years back. I almost had to figure out if it was that short, that one, but it's right. about periods, frankly put, uh, as it goes through the menstrual cycles and different things dealing not only with how athletes and movie stars deal with it, uh, but just a documentary breaking a lot of that down. Uh, they also have Naomi Watts, um, Gloria Steinem, and Rashida Jones is a producer for this one. So Periodical, movie about periods. Uh, the next one is The Hurricanes. I didn't realize Houston had a women's professional football team, like not flag, full tackle, called the Hurricanes. I'm intrigued with this. <laughs> they one love their be football in Texas. Of course they do. Uh, this sounds kind of raw. I'm not going to lie. The, uh, yeah. the images and the archives, if they're able to get some good stuff, I would love to see some of the plays for this. My only concern, the director's Olivia Kwan. She has done cinematography for like 94 features. That's raw. That's dope. I want to see how you can direct. South by she did do a little movie called Blame Society, <laughs> a little off kilter uh, for me, but, but I'm curious. You remember this one? I'm curious yeah. to see what she does with the doc. Though a doc is different. Yeah. Even though that was about a woman documenting herself in the craziest way possible, but the Hurricanes. We'll we'll see how this football team did. We'll see what their uh, what the record was. The next one is is pretty intense, dude. Great photo, lovely life. They're keeping this one like they're not they're not sharing any links for this. It is about a photojournalist who's looking back at the uh, SA acts committed by her grandfather and how it's affected everybody i believe this is going to be slated for hbo it feels like one that it's better to watch at home than with a group of people where it's going to be so awkward and tense um but uh they are reserving all links for this and it seems like it'll be out eventually soon um uh and it seems like it's gonna be very uh, very big topic yeah so, I, I know photo, this is one lovely life uh, this is one that uh when caitlin and i were looking at it she she really uh it caught her attention because I think a lot of times you you think about these types of situations or these bad actors and you don't often get to see it from the side of the people who still have to like reckon with like what does this mean that I have this relationship to somebody who's so yeah. bad. Uh, so it, it feels like it'll be a com complicated, messy documentary, but I think those are the kinds of films that end up being the most interesting. Going through the memories and everything, dude, it's going to be messed up. Um, yeah. On top of that, they're doing animated sequences. I should say that right off the bat because we're going to see a lot of this for a couple of these documentaries. To hire an animated team for what's going to be reenactments or something, excuse me, that they clearly don't want to show on screen. So we'll see how they, how they do that. The next one is The Ark of Oblivion. I don't even know what to make of this. Uh, first, I want to tell you this. Ian Cheney, Cheney, I want to say. He made a doc called The Search of General Sal. Yeah, so, I remember that one. Sue? Yeah, the part of it is like people don't even know how to say the so. name. Is this even real chicken? Where did this come from? And he goes to a crazy extent. It's a Sundance selection. I can see that he really likes going through every corner. So now it turns out he's taken that to an, an insane degree. It is this arc of oblivion where he's supposed to, he's trying to get archives and records and memories of everything. He's trying to build an arc in Maine. It sounds insane, and yet, Zach, that is not the craziest thing we have 
on this list. That seems normal compared to what other directors are going to do. Right. But, but the, the theme for this year, Zach, is document, documentarians going, time to put me in front of the camera and do the craziest thing I could possibly think <laughs> of. Whatever their niche is, they're expanding it. So if this guy likes exploring things, the man thinks he's Noah now. The Ark of Oblivion. Uh, I'm curious to see what he's going to put in there. Right. This next one is doing the same thing. The New Americans Gaming a Revolution. I don't, Zach, they asked us if we were going to be there. This looks a little wild, and it reminds me of a movie that you and I once saw from South by as well. Um, I'm trying to forget. I actually blinked it out of my mind, but the moment you and I remember it, it'll hit us. It, from it's South not, by. Um, are you talking about You Don't Know Meme or Feels Good Man? Because there are two that are on similar subjects. You Don't Know Meme. It's a combination of You Don't Know Meme. Or a glitch in the Matrix. Glitch in the Matrix. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Look, that's the concern, you right? A, you evoked a really good one. You said feels good meme. And I would love it to man. be feels good meme. Feels good man, sorry. Yeah. This is the director? I, I, I just don't know if she's got <laughs> what it takes to make a movie that is described as a wild meme-driven movie about TikTokers yeah. and the meme yeah. agenda. I I don't. Is this is this for the people or is this for like the soccer moms who may have not known what happened with GameStop or whatever? They're right. making the claim that it started as a little GameStop movie, and Zach, they've uncovered something crazy. So I'm still intrigued. I'm being mean about it, but I yeah, am still intrigued. The, I don't know whether to be intrigued or just kind of worried that they're somehow tying this to January sixth. Ondi's a Sundance winner, two-time grand jury winner, Ish. Zach. She had a movie wow. in Telluride and, and, and got Oscar shortlisted with Last Flight Home. But ain't none of those going to do with memes, so I, I am a little worried. Uh, does yeah. it help, though, that she's got a talking head called Jordan Belford in this? <sighs> I think that hurts. <laughs> got to be honest, I think that hurts. The New Americans, a gaming revolution. Uh, they said they wanted to find us at Su at Sundance or at South by Zach, so we might have them at the Airbnb recording something. Yep. In order to get a link, we'll see. Um, uh, a meme-worthy movie, as they say. Art for Everybody, a mystery documentary. The director has edited over 30 movies, including one called Art and Crimes by Crimes. This was very interesting because it covers a lot of uh, uh, inmates or past convicts who are kind of relieving themselves through artwork. And in here, she's making a biopic kind of going back but discovering a lot of the stuff from Thomas Kincaid. You've maybe seen these. I didn't know who he was till I booted this up and Alina immediately recognized the gates. Turns out what he was known for wasn't what he was hiding in the back and it turns out he has a treasure trove of some of the darkest paintings that is the complete opposite of what people knew him for i know there's going to be a lot of um bob ross movies coming out imagine if there was a mm. bob ross movie where it turns out the man was like a chain smoker and and just drew with <laughs> like dark colors that's what this movie's being pitched as uh kind of curious about it so interesting it's going to be a very interesting profile for him art for everybody the ladybird diaries I have one interesting thing to say about this because it's about the uh, archives from Lady Bird when she was the first lady. Lady Bird Johnson, and it just yeah. takes, yeah, everything that she took and they make a documentary about this. It's coming from Don Porter, <laughs> the director who's made some pretty good documentaries. Uh, I like the John Lewis Good Trouble doc. I see you were going to say something. What's up? I was just going to say that I feel like we have to clarify for most of our audience because most uh, I feel like most people in our audience would hear that and be like, is this like behind the scenes on the Greta Gerwig movie? 
Oh, yeah, for Lady Bird? Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah. Lady Bird is actually a, a first lady <laughs> from years ago. Uh, Lady Bird Johnson, yeah. Here's the, here's the thing that's got me. I hate adaptations or based on things. And by that I mean, why are we crediting the book Lady Bird Johnson Hiding in Plain Sight and the podcast Lady Bird Johnson Hiding in Plain Sight? Oh, sorry, I just started playing the podcast. My apologies. Let me turn that off. When we just said that the entire thing is made up of her own archives. Zach, how can we take someone's archives, re-edit them first? So now when they make a movie, they got to give me credit. I find that a little goofy, but I'm excited to see the movie. Lady yeah. Bird Diaries, I'm curious to see how they take all of our archives, considering that Sundance just had one with sheer height. And they did something interesting where whenever they only had her writing, they got an actress to do it. So... Mm -hmm. If it's all audio, I'm curious to see how they're going to be able to blend in the footage. Lady Bird Diaries, another documentary. You Can Call Me Bill is the profile on William Shatner. And I'm only intrigued, not just because he's a high-profile person, but because it comes from Alexander O. Philip. This is the guy who's made documentaries on aliens with memory. All the stuff that dealt with the designs and how creepy it was. He even did 7852, which cut all of the exact edits and their purpose in the Hitchcock shower scene. Now I guess he likes Star Trek, so I'm very excited to see yeah. uh, what he brings to the table because he's a good documentarian. I don't know if you're a big William Shatner fan or if you'll be there uh, Not the particularly. Okay, well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I well, don't know where that one's coming out, but I'm sure it's going to get a streaming yeah. release. Yeah. Um, maybe you're a big Mary Tyler Moore fan? Because she's also I getting am. a documentary. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this one's being produced by Lena Waithe and a bunch of other really big, high-profile people. Um, and it, it seems like it's going to be good, but it's also going to HBO. At 119 minutes, though, I'm excited because you know me. I, I like my profiles to be a lot longer, if not a series, if you can make it, but... HBO tends to do a good job with them, being Tyler Moore. Here's one that could be a banger, a disturbance in the force, the making of the holiday Star Wars or the Star Wars holiday special. And I got the funniest mm. thing for you here. Jeremy Kuhn is the director or co-director. Uh, who produced and edited Napoleon Dynamite. And I thought that was so funny. Oh. Like, that's the one thing on their on their list. I'm like, okay, you're going to bring right. a, some humor to this documentary. I, I didn't think there would be a more interesting one. Steve Kozak is the co-producer, and his biggest thing today is being a clearance producer for the late night show. And it got <laughs> me thinking, wait, 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 wait. There is no bigger project where a clearance producer should be a right. co-director. Because the way that they put it is... We're going to put it simply. This is the story. Simply put, we will answer how and why it got made. That is a banger of a description. They're pretty much just telling you, go get a seat. We'll do the rest of the work. We're ready to entertain you. It's one of the biggest things out there. Guardians just homaged it in their holiday special. It's got some pretty big talking heads. A disturbance in the forest. They, they said they had premiere tickets uh, lined up for us, so we'll see. Ooh. They might be giving out some stuff. Imagine going, coming up with some, some Star Wars swag. That'd be interesting. Getting the original cut. <laughs> the original cut of it. Here's the thing, though. We cover a lot of movies. There's still another top five. This World Is Not My Own. A movie, a documentary that is very intriguing because it's also doing the animated thing. It is using chewy gum, chewing gum sculptures, galleries, hmm. even an animated um, 3D character that Uzo Oduba is voicing that is yeah. covering Nellie Mae Rose. 
I'm intrigued. Another profile that's mixing animated and scripted sequences should be interesting. This world is not my own. Talk about Citizen Sleuth, though, because we're going to have a double with this one. This is the doc, but there's an interesting narrative on the horizon. Yeah, I'm curious about this one uh, because it's about a podcaster who does true crime podcasts and what happens when this podcaster starts to investigate uh, a cold case of her That's own wrong. and what what's what it's like when the storyteller becomes involved with the story because there's been I, I feel like the sort of unspoken thing uh, in this plot description is the way that true crime has become criticized in, in recent years for the way that yes. it's sort of like in, in indulges in these uh in the worst moments of people's lives to exploit them for storytelling. And I, I feel like there's going to be some kind of like realization or come butting of heads moment where this podcaster has to actually confront the, the people or the area where this is like more most sensitive. Right. Yeah. I'm going to check out their podcast. I added up. There's the mile marker 181, but you're right. They have a TED yeah. talk. It may open up a little bit about what you're saying may be the big reveal, but should be interesting. Citizen Sleuth documentary coming up. It's in my top five. Uh, another one is Black Barbie, a documentary made by La Guerrilla Davis. Her 83-year-old aunt was the basis for this movie. Mm. They're going through archives, and you couldn't get a better person to do that. They have a directing producer. They're, they're the archival producer. This woman, Rebecca Kent. Bro, Aftershock, Dear Mr. Brody, Amanda Knox, Rita Moreno. Nice. Like, could you get a better person to do archives for you? That's what I like to look for in a doc. I'm excited to catch this one because it looks like it's at least going to be very in-depth looking at the history of not just uh, Barbie, but specifically when they started transitioning and doing a lot of different things for Barbie. One was obviously making a black version. Uh, and with Barbie being on the horizon as well as a big feature film, it's going to be a massive documentary in my opinion if they time it right. Black Barbie, one of my top documentaries from the section. You read the description to last stop in Larima? Larima? I actually don't think I have yet. Crime mystery doc about an Australian outback where there's all of these residents. And as they come in to figure out, yo, didn't one dude disappear? Turns out everyone's got different stories and turns out the directors get to the bottom of why that person may have disappeared and who and who did not like each other. The director, Thomas Trancred, directorial debut, but they've been working as a casting director for Fear Factor. Zach, if a movie <laughs> is investigating these 11 eccentric people who may or may not have something to do with the missing of an individual, I think the casting director to Fear Factor is going to get a lot out of them. On top of that, <laughs> Duplass Brothers. The Duplass Brothers have oh. been making so many documentaries for South by Zach had mentioned, the Tony Hawk one. Um, mm -hmm. We had also had movies that they've been in, Spin Me Round, Language Lessons. Here's what I'm attributing this one the closest to. They produced a little doc called Sasquatch. This mm. feels like that. I don't know if you got to catch this one. It's on Hulu. This one's investigating the Appalachian Mountains and what's going on over there. Is it a monster or are the people the monsters hiding something? Seems like it's going to be the same thing for Last Stop and Larima. Uh, it may have been picked up by HBO already, and that's good because the director or the producer has done Q into the Storm, Zach. The Anarchist. So you got a team that's going to make, I think, another uh, 
documentary, if not a docu-series that you're, you're going to really mess with. I'm excited for this one. Very see exciting. what the Australians are up to down there. <laughs> Last stop in Larima. Wildlife, a sweeping portrait of conservationists Chris and Doug Tompkins. Why is this big? Well, we love Fire of Love. We love seeing people who are dedicated in their stuff. A nice romance movie. Mm-hmm. But when it's coming from Jimmy Chin and Elizabeth Chai yep. Vasarheli, who did Free Solo, who did The Rescue, and Zach even put it uh, on a video we're going to have for the upcoming movies, they have a narrative on the horizon. Right, yeah. Before they get ahead of themselves, I'm excited for them. Do your narrative. But in the meantime, they have another one, uh, another documentary of what they do best. I just love following them. Follow people who do these crazy things. Um uh, hopefully it doesn't end as sad as the other one did, but I also don't know their story. So it's going to be very curious to see not just the relationship that they capture, but the shots, as always, for this movie. Wildlife. Top two over here, and this is only because we've had links for them. Confessions of a Good Samaritan uh, was just sent over to us. We're not allowed to say anything for it, but it is about a director, a documentarian, puts herself in front of the camera and says, I'm going to be a Good Samaritan. I'm going to give up my kidney, liver. Kidney liver? I'm trying to remember which one it was. Which one can you give away, Zach, without getting in trouble? Kidney. Kidney. All right, she gave the kidney, not, not the liver. She gave one of her kidneys away. And kind of pitches. Why don't we all do this if we can all give a kidney away? She has worked <laughs> on listening to Kenny G. So she has a lot of merit in the okay. documentary yep. game. Penny Lane. Hell, she made, she made Hail Satan. So she's even had pushback from a lot of people. She knows how to play the documentary game. She is the subject front and center in this movie mm-hmm. and all the ups and downs and on what she's trying to pitch with this act of uh, altruism kind of interesting ben schwartz yeah. uh got a uh, big thanks on this too so she got a lot of uh, filmmaking friends along with lana wilson abigail disney uh and dean fleischer camp who <laughs> just did um what's it called marcel uh, the shell marcel the shell thank you i had recognized his name as soon as it came out so i wanted to write it uh, and then the last one here, they they have a Satan Wants You documentary that goes through the satanic panic, uh, going through different people who were a part of it, uh, might have dealt with it, and all of the ba- babies they stole. And then trying to compare it <laughs> to some modern events. So that's the whole list of documentaries there. Let us know which ones you are excited for as we wrap it up with the music ones. Uh, there yeah. are documentaries on Joan Baez uh, in her 60-year career. You have Louder Than You Think, which is talking about the drummer from Pavement and just everything that he's going through at the moment. Revival 69 is supposed to be about the concert that rocked everybody, but specifically the moment where where Yoko Ono and John Lennon realized, yeah, we done with the Beatles. <laughs> so that's a pretty great way <laughs> to pitch the concert. Uh, 299 Queen Street West is a documentary that's following the rise of the music video era during the 1980s. Um, so I'm kind of curious to see what they're able to do there. Max Roach, The Drum Also Waltzes is a very interesting movie, Zach, because uh, I've heard so much about Max Roach. He's a massive drummer. But do you know who's mm-hmm. directing this, Zach? That's my man, Sam Pollard, who recently did MLK FBI, a legendary documentarian,'s done a lot of work with Spike Lee as well. So a really interesting person in the hands of a really great documentarian. Did you see it's Ben Shapiro? Uh, not that it's not Dan Ben Shapiro, <laughs> even though it links to it on IMDB. 
Unfortunately, they just have the same name. Oh, I thought it was going to get you so bad. It is this older Ben Shapiro, but damn, when I saw they mislinked it on IMDb, I was so excited. Hilarious. Wrong Ben Shapiro. (laughs) Um, I'm excited for it. Uh, Amir uh, Questlove's going to be on there. Harry Belafonte's going to be on there. Some good talking heads. I think it's going to be a a real interesting profile on him as a drummer, a legend. Top three here, though, would be Hung Up on a Dream. It's about the zombies. There you go. If you don't know about the zombies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty good. Really big band. Uh, Tom Hanks is producer on this one, too. So uh, should be interesting to see how they break that down. Uh, The next one is Rebellion, a music thriller. And I'm, I'm under the impression that this is the only one in this category that's not a doc. It's about this kid who's trying to, like, make it out with his love of music. Oh. I think. It's a narrative feature, but it says biography. It's from Colombia. We'll see how it goes. It, it has me intrigued. Uh, yeah, and then the top one here is Love to You, Love to Love You, Donna Summer. It will be coming out. Uh, I want to say on HBO it could be. Uh, hold on. I did have it on here. It's expected on HBO in May. It is co-directed oh. by Roger Ross Williams, who just did Cassandro. He had done the documentary oh. on Cassandro for the New York Times, I think, or the New Yorker, that then, then did the feature. That was his first narrative. But my man here, he is a documentarian. So for him to come do this and then co-direct it with Bricklin Sudano. I don't know if you know who this is, but I was looking at her. Mm. I'm like, this is her directorial debut, dude. Like, she's done Cruel Summer. But, like, what does she know about mm. Donna Summer? Is the daughter of Donna Summer? So kind of <laughs> She, she kind of know a little bit about her. Um, a little close. So... They're a little bit close. So that just shows me, all right, cool. You have a good documentarian filmmaker in Roger Ross Williams, and then it sounds like you have the estate. So hopefully it's a full-out documentary and profile on Donna Summer. So that should be pretty cool. Um, and hopefully, hopefully it lives up to some of these over here that you have from the previous festivals. Yeah, oh, yeah, uh, from the previous festivals, uh because there's always been some interesting doc- music documentaries at the South by Southwest. Uh, I know you were a big fan of Who Let the Dogs Out when you saw that a few years ago. Bruh, that was one of your standouts. Hard drive on Who Let the Dog Out. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also uh, remember a lot of people getting excited about We Are the Thousand, which is that Foo Fighters documentary. That. Uh, eventually went to HBO. Uh, so I know a lot of people probably have seen that one. I thought Zappa, directed by Alex Winter, was a really good documentary. It might have been shortlisted for the Oscars. If not, it Loved should have been. Zappa. It was a and he surprised excellent. me with that one, too. Yeah. Excellent. Um, but I know last year, the one that really stood out to me was Anonymous Club. I, I think you liked it, too. The one that exactly. looked at Courtney Barnett. <laughs> Why why'd you ask me about this one? Why are you thinking about it? <laughs> Bro, I text Zach at like midnight. I don't know what time I text him. I Because I was thinking <laughs> of the documentary and I went through my 2020 list, 21 list. No, I swear. It had to have been there. I, I just never checked my 22 list. That's where it ended up being. And I remember yeah. it because specifically Zach gave me like a playlist of her music. I was like, all right, I'll listen to it. I watched this documentary and I fall in love with her style. And I go, Zach, mm-hmm. yo, your girl is legit. Couldn't remember it. I text Zach. He knew immediately <laughs> who I was talking about. Like, what did I? It was a yep. crazy mad gab taboo thing. I was like, Zach, documentary, musician, you like her? She didn't want to make music because she was nervous. You're like, Courtney Burnett, Anonymous <laughs> Club, here's the playlist. <laughs> it's good. It's a good documentary. Yeah. Um, and and then, I know you were also a big fan of Look at Me, the XXS Tentacion documentary yes, that premiered at sir. South by Southwest. 
Yeah. yeah. Honestly, for a lot of these, here's the one thing that I, I want you to look for. You may have something against the artist. Maybe you don't even like the artist. Look at the directors, bro. We're, we're really discovering yeah. here is some really good directors who on the next film, you could at least be like, yeah, they did some really good work on the previous one. I, I, I like the fusion of both that uh, South by is able to do in combining the artists and also finding some good filmmakers. So, hey, Zach, round of applause to you. We are two-thirds of the, of the way done, but the docs are set. Woo! But that's cool because this next stuff is the fun stuff. If you saw our Sundance one, we love going through the dramas, which we just got you with, the docs, which we just finished. Let's talk mm -hmm. about the Midnighters, all those genre movies that... Zach. Zach. This just in, ladies and gentlemen, we've been approved for press. Oh! Let's go, we're in! <laughs> we did it! We did we it! Had we're actually gonna docs. go to South By! <laughs> they they heard that we were doing our preview and decided to finally let us in. Bro, they sent me a double one on there. They said, sorry, sir, we got you on the double press accredited. Oh, phew. I was about to delete the whole preview. I guess we can continue. Right? Midnight this sex. would have been really awkward had they rejected you tomorrow. <laughs> Even if they rejected me, I just love how I still had yeah. like 20 movies on deck. Well, damn, bro. Honestly. Yeah. It's crazy, too, because like I got in, it feels like three weeks ago now, and you're the one who's been doing the coverage on Let Me Explain. But I'm I'm just glad we could, I, my first South by you're going to be there too, because I started worrying. I was starting to worry. Uh, but before we finish off our preview of South by Southwest, uh, let's Man. get into our thanks to the Intercuties, those wonderful people who are supporting the show as patrons on Patreon.com. They are Ewan, Ronette, Julieta, Tim, Elizabeth, Josh, Ashley, Brady, Sean, Marion, Michael, Mr. Kobayashi, Nick the Monty, LaShawn, Devesh, Nick, and Diana, our Academy-level members, are Tushar, Cademan, Connor, Pete, May, Ricky, Joe, Tone, Ooh. and Janicia. Ooh. And, of course, a big thanks to the producer-level patrons. They are awkward. Udenvir and Sam, a big thanks for all the support. And a reminder that you, too, can become a member at patreon.com slash intercutpod, where you can sign up for patron benefits like early access to some intercut episode outlines, early access to some intercut episodes, access to our private channels on the intercut Discord, where you can chat with us throughout the week, and an invitation to our monthly patron Google meetings, the next one of which we might do live from the South by Southwest Film Festival. Yes, sir, because we wanted to do the Sundance one. If you already know, you know what happened there. But a taxi would be cool. Imagine <laughs> on the scooters. Even yeah. if the car goes out, we got the scooters at least to drive around. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, That'll we, be a fun we'll one. share our barbecue virtually on the, Easily. On the stream. Yeah. Ah, All right, so are we that, in, at the I... Midnighters already? Dude, we're on the fun ones right here. So let's start yeah. from the bottom up over here. Uh, we're even going to end up with one of our favorites because one of the upcoming categories... We've already seen all of them, mostly. Let's start with mm -hmm. the Midnighters, though, as I push over here to start off with one that I was surprised to see. I did not think they would be making a sequel to Becky. I have an LME on this. Uh, the first Becky was kind of a surprise. It came out of nowhere. It was a nice little uh, thriller where a girl named Becky was taking <laughs> was taking out a freaking, uh, what's his name, uh, Kevin James as a Nazi. Like, it wasn't yeah. the most... 
like perfect movie, but it, like it got the job done in the middle of the pandemic, entertaining people. Hell, it was even playing in some driving. So I think it was like a top five movie of the week or something. Well, it made enough money to get you the wrath of Becky too. I believe they may be sending out a link since, hey, you know, shout out, we got you on the LME right there. Uh, they just said definitely don't review it. Don't do anything with <laughs> this movie until it has premiered. It is going to follow Becky, I think, a year after? Two years after, as she finds a whole other group of people. And look, mm. I'm glad Lulu Wilson got the EP credit, but another person getting the EP credit, and I guess coming in as the bad guy, is Sean William Scott. Will he be up there yeah. with uh, what uh, Paul Blart did? Kevin know, James. Paul Blart kind of yeah. made the first movie. Yeah, Kevin James kind of, you're a little too good in the role. Um, but she's fantastic in it. So we'll see what blood and gore the wrath of Becky brings us. Kind of hilarious that their thing seems to be casting comedians who look like they could be white supremacists. They're gonna make like five of these movies. Can you imagine that? <laughs> so, so uh, what's his name? Get your from list three ready. Billboards? Sam, what's yeah. Sam? <laughs> Sam Rockwell. Got a job for you. Got a job for you in a yeah. couple years to get killed by Becky. Um, this next one, very interesting movie. It's a Viet- Vietnamese film that might be coming out on Netflix because I was looking at my Netflix list and it had a TBD for March. It is a story about a mysterious trio that gets taken and are kind of trained to be uh, almost like assassins, but then they realize that everything they've been fighting for may not be true. It looks beautiful. It looks like it's going to stand out. It's even directed by Veronica uh, Nigo, I hope I say her name right, who is in the movie, is also a screenwriter, and is an action star herself. So I'm very curious to see what she's going to be able to bring into this. Um, I don't know why. Immediately I recognized her from the, the Five Bloods. She was the one who was doing the radio stuff. And then uh, oh, nice. in the Old Guard, she has a massive role as one of the ones in the Old Guard. So I'm curious to see what she's able to bring to the table here with Furies, a horror movie that may be on Netflix, but we'll see. I definitely Brooklyn. read this one too sure. fast when I first looked at it and thought it was furries, just like some movie about furries at South By, which would happen at South By. But no, it is it is furies. I did that for the South By list and then the Netflix list. Like that's how, that's how <laughs> embedded that is in our list. I got you, dude. <laughs> Brooklyn 45. Um, interesting movie about five vets who come together and in trying to speak to the other side, end up coming up with these ghosts that the movie's also pitching may be metaphorical. It has to do with whatever baggage they've had as friends. There's one interesting thing about this, though. Besides it going to shutter, this is coming from a guy named Ted Giogan. I hope I'm saying his name right, because I've only ever dealt with him in emails. You know what yeah, I mean? Uh- he is a frequent publicity contact of ours, has sent us Shut some awesome movies. I think guy, he sent bro. a Silo, one of my favorite little indie gems. Yes, he but did. He's made a he made a couple interesting horror movies, and he's back with another one. I know he does the PR stuff basically to, to support himself so he can try and make movies. So, you know, shouts to bro. him. Uh no, PR people underappreciated nice. in the in the film world. Especially yeah, the good ones the like Ted. Now he's one of the great ones. He's really good at PR for the movies that he does. I didn't even realize he was directing. And I go, yeah, I saw he was working on a couple of other stuff. Producer writing as well. Uh, This movie sounds really interesting. And I I just love from him that in the meantime, he's still pushing other movies for PR. I'm like, bro, where's yours? (laughs) Where's yours, bro? Um, He's also shout out to him because he was the one guy. Like my Peter Munder Falcon stuff. We like putting movies on your radar, but y'all watch Intercut for, for for the inside stuff too. He was one of the first to call out from a PR standpoint, these crappy outlets. Oh, they suck. Reviewers suck, guys. I, I know we talk about, you know, 
filmmaking and producers on that stuff. We suck as reviewers sometimes too. He called out this company who told him, if you want us to cover that movie, it'll be $40 if you want it on the on the public site, but it'll mm. be for free if we can dump it over here. And he said, this is illegal. You shouldn't be doing that. And I shout out anybody who's willing to call out these companies um, because it was a big company. People do do that. Yeah. We're over here trying to get links and it'll be movies like we just said. Oh, it's about an indigenous something that doesn't get a voice and then proceeds to not give it to anybody. They wonder why their movies don't do well. Tad called those people out. I wish he would have named them because it kind of shows you the balance. It's not just PR companies. Some reviewers do it as well. Tad, good luck on your movie. I will be there watching it for sure. The next one over here in the Midnight Horror is Aberrescence, a horror that comes from a cinematographer who for 10 years has been filming movies, 21 features, and this is their debut. So I'm curious to see how this is going to turn out. It is a Mongolian film that covers uh, a couple of city people who end up going to a cabin. That never ends well. <laughs> so yeah. uh, we'll see how this plays out. 76 minutes. Looks like it's going to be There's always uh, got to be a brisk, some brisk cabin one. in the woods horror movie at one of these festivals. If you, if you don't have one, what's the point? Last last year yeah. was that cow one, remember? Yeah, Milk first, or something with Winona? Ah, uh, shoot, was it? Yeah. Whatever the one was. It, it was just else. called yeah, the you cow, you got to catch right? it. The cow or something. You got to catch it and you're like, you're good art. Yeah. And then by the time I ca- yeah. caught it on streaming, I was good. They changed the title. They changed the title. Top four. It Lives Inside, a horror movie based on an Indian legend about a family's grandfather or a story from the grandfather that's been passed on after they've moved over to America. Uh, This actress who's leading it, Megan Suri, Shuri, bro, she wasn't missing. She's popped up in Poker Face. She is having one hell of a year. Now she's got a lead. She's also been in Never Have I Ever, so she's had some like really big uh, streaming stuff that she's popped off in. But this is it, in my opinion. I, I hope that this movie's able to hit. Uh, it seems like it's going to be a very interesting, intimate story. I hope it's able to deliver. It lives inside. Sounds dope. Yeah, I'm intrigued, I'm intrigued by this one, too. It's on my list. Late Night with the Devil. Yeah, I this really, one's high on my really, list really want to see this one um we talked about two australian brothers making a horror film and bringing it to the states but we're not to that movie yet we're focusing on the one from two australian brothers who are from (laughs) who are coming to the states to give us their horror movie bro if you're australian siblings you're killing it in the horror game this year yeah this stars david dismalchian who uh, man this guy went from being a character actor to being the character actor, bro. Not just from <laughs> DC to Marvel, but like side projects. He is here uh, as the lead of a television broadcast that happened in the 70s that went wrong. And they've just discovered the tapes of what happened that night. Man, I'm <laughs> seated there. I'm, I'm, Yeah, I'm there. Uh, I'm ready for this one. Uh, I don't know if you heard any other new things or anyone else in the cast, but this is one that I, I, I don't even link for it. I would love to see this with a South by crowd. Yeah. It, I think among the Midnighters, this is the one that stood out to me as like, it seems like it would be the most satisfying as a horror movie. Although the one that you got above it is the one that creatively excites me the most. Well. Go for it. Talk about Monolith, because you just talked about the doc version almost of this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so again, this is a, fil- a film that's focusing on, like, audio. Um, what it reminded me of, just 
uh, in its description, or it's it's an investigative podcaster, and but this one has a sci-fi bent to it. The thing that it reminded me of a little bit in its description was I don't know if you remember the the oh. vast of night a couple years ago yes where it had this long sequence that's mostly told through a radio and goes in and out of darkness and like maybe this is sort of like a feature length version of that one uh as far as uh the principal cast there's just one person credited i don't know if this is like a lock or something like that where it's a one person movie but i'm intrigued one location audio heavy I'm there, bro. I yeah. agree with you. This, this is going to be really fun to listen to. I mean, there are some people who are just credited as voice. I almost thought you were going to say Kimmy because of the fact that she's kind of dealing with, like, online stuff and, like, I hear that too. through things on one location. So, But I know I like yours better because I remember uh, that movie being a, a handling sound so well that I was petty with it because I paid for a theater ticket and was dealing with the sound <laughs> instead. <laughs> but, but I'm going into Monolith knowing that right off the bat. So I'm excited for right. that one. And then, of course, man, you know a movie is good when it's playing at another festival. This is at the top of the list, but it's not even fair because we've already seen it. Talk to Me was so good at Sundance. We got a link to it, and the first thing we did was look at each other, look up a Sundance public screening, and then went, wait, Zach goes, they're playing this at South By. And I go, bro, South By is the exact place to see this. Y'all know I don't waste time rewatching movies like that at a festival. At a festival. We might scope out what we're talking to me. <laughs> Yo, if y'all ever wanted to meet up in a movie, these are the boys right here. The other Australian brothers who have brought in their horror movie to the States. And my goodness, this isn't just, this isn't hereditary, but it's been a minute since a horror movie has made my top five films. And I have not wavered from that. It is still in my top five out of Sundance. I don't think another horror movie might beat it out of here. I want to catch this with the crowd and I want to see what they give out. Give out hands. Something, please. Happy oh, meals. Oh man, if they Rock gave out those hands, bro. I hope this South by delivers for you, yeah. like the 2019 one did. I'm pumped. Damn, because 2022 was still COVID. They didn't want to give out stuff, but in 2019, they gave out. I told you they gave out haunted rocks, man. I brought so much stuff that first year. <laughs> there, there's a lot. Midnighters. It's going to be fantastic. They always deliver on this front. Um, yeah, every single one of those. I, I think it's going to be a decent time. Let's move over to the visions, which is, I don't even know what to call this. Like the next category, I guess. You have a great previous feature that's here. And sadly, we're not getting a part two for that one. We have to patiently wait for it. But talk about the visions category and what they've had before. Uh, oh, I actually don't know if I pulled up any of the previous visions ones. I know you had cheese listed here, uh, which was a oh, really was me? fun. Yeah, that was you, dude. That wasn't even me. Oh, I'm just always thinking of cheese. Damn, bro. We're waiting. <laughs> okay, I guess I really am waiting for part two. I thought you put that there. <laughs> I mean, Visions is a little it. bit out there. Yeah, yeah too, like so, cheese uh, Exactly. Like, this is the place where they put their experimental and their uh, not necessarily things that fall into the traditional narrative yeah. Um, category. Yeah. Specifically, it's audacious, risk-taking artists in the new cinema landscape who defy traditional categorization in documentary and narrative filmmaking. So let's get into these. The first one, because it's a mix, I'm looking at a doc, a sci-fi, rom-com, drama, sci-fi, thriller, fantasy, horror, drama, doc, comedy, drama. You're going to get a lot here. First one is Caterpillar. Uh, It is a documentary about this guy named David who's just struggling to be seen. 
and he's changing his eye colors. Comes mm. from the director who did Jawline. That was a Sundance uh, documentary from a while back. Yeah. Leaving that there for you. Caterpillar, documentary from the Visions category. Molly and Max, they reached out to us as well. A sci-fi rom-com about these yeah. people who no matter the years, a decade, they said they've gone through six planets, four dimensions, and a space call. No matter what, they always come back together. Looks like it's going to be really wacky and insane. Molly Max in the future. We'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Another one <laughs> in the Visions category. Secaderos, also known as Tobacco Barns, is about a seven-year-old who lives in this big city, and as she comes back to these deserted tobacco barns that are there, she kind of finds this creature, and it has its own reality, and it seems like it's going to be playing into different kind of like magical realism, and the whole movie's in Spanish. Curious to see how uh, this builds up. Should probably pull it up right there. There you go. Um, Kind of interested in this one as well. Again, all these Visions ones. (laughs) You have no idea where they're going to go. Zach... I'm going to take it up another level. I don't even have a genre for this one. Chronicles of a Wandering Saint, a tiny uh, little village in Argentina. A woman comes in and sees a miracle that happens that may reveal her ticket to sainthood. What does that even mean? I don't, like uh, All of these films are going to be doing some really crazy, interesting stuff. This one's also going to be in Spanish. And they say that it's inspired by everyday moments from people's stories. Sure, let's do it. Artifice Girl, a sci-fi thriller about this fake... AI, I guess, that they've created in order to snatch people, predators, so that they can get them, uh, so that they can catch them, like, uh, what's his name from To Catch a Predator? I forget his name. Um, uh, but Chris it's not Hansen? a real girl. Is that it? Chris Hansen, thank you for the, thank you for yeah. the assist right there. Um, this is coming from uh, the team that is also working on uh, Chris Duckman's movie. So whatever that horror company oh. is, they're also going to be delivering yeah. this. It has played somewhere, and I've heard decent reviews. It's got a trailer out. I'm very curious. A movie that is duping predators through an artificial intelligent girl. An internet vigilante is what they're calling it. I think I think it'd be pretty solid. Um, moving on to these. These are all ones that got thumbs up from me. I hope they get thumbs up from you. You let me know. The Angry Black Girl and Her Monster is a fantasy horror movie inspired by Mary Shelley's Frankenstein about a teenage girl who's desperate to cure death. And the director said that he's grown up like loving Frankenstein, but specifically wanted to make a movie where the lead character was as smart as his sister. Slam dance winner, very indie dude. Supposedly uh, brought by Crypt TV. I don't know if you know Crypt TV like that. Uh, I know yeah. a lot of times their stuff goes to shutter, so there's a chance that this could probably go over there. I'm curious. I'm I'm banking on the body horror for this one. So, Angry yeah. Black Girl and her monster. The next one is I like a the title. Drama. It's a, it's a good title. I like it. Uh, this next one, let me know what you think. Until Branches End, a psychological drama about a pregnant cannery worker who's telling everybody, yo, there's like a bug going on here. Or is, yeah. there, or is there a bug on her? Is, is there a bug eating all of the stuff? Or is there something inside her eating everything that's taking uh, all the nutrients away from her? Uh, this played at TIFF. So I'm curious to see uh, how this does over at South By because it already has some reviews that are in there. Uh, and it's Canadian. Very interesting poster. There's one clip out there. I'm intrigued to see how this plays out. Yeah, I think the plot description definitely intrigued me as well, just because it's got like so much going on. It's one of those films that you can't really easily just explain in one sentence right. from the sound of it. Yeah. So curious. We'll see how that goes. This next one, I same thing applies. On House 69, 
a drama, but a documentary. A Colombian movie, completely in Spanish, excuse me, written and directed by Tio Montoya, who is covering Medellin through all of his like memories, through all of the people he remembers. This was the pre-production of his first film uh, that he's looking back on and all of the ghosts and memories. And I, again, I don't even know what that means, but it seems like it's going through uh, all of his childhood from a director's viewpoint who's just getting it in fragmented uh, pieces. I have absolutely no idea what that means, but I think the poster is pretty raw. So I'm excited to see what he delivers here. It's played in other places. People have liked it. So I got it on my horizon. Like when they mix a drama and a doc together. Zach, I got a really good one for you right here. With love and a major organ. This is a world where object, our hearts are made out of objects. And this woman decides, mm-hmm. yo, I'm going to rip out my heart because I don't really need it. And give it to a guy who I believe I love. Then he runs away with it. It looks beautiful. It sounds intriguing. Zach, what if I told you that the editor to this was Tony Zhao from 20, what is it? Less than 24 frames of painting. I'm, I'm disrespecting the guy. I'm about to say voir. Every frame of painting, the main dude is editing a feature length film. What do you think? Uh, I had no idea. And now I have to see it. Uh, I mean, that, I, that's always I, been his thing, right? He was an editor, so. He was an editor, but like we've never seen feature films from him. Uh, I love yeah. when he was able to make the jump and get picked up um, on Netflix on with David Fincher's Voir. Yeah, not all of them were great, but when I got to his episode, yeah. damn, it was so awesome to see what he was able to do on YouTube. Uh, we were talking about the Vox Explainers not changing from YouTube to Netflix to feature. Right. Damn, that budget that they gave him, it felt like a budgeted... Uh, why, why do I keep blinking? I always make, mess up his name. Uh, YouTube series that he did. So I'm excited to see what he does with an actual feature film. Oh, what? Avery um, Freeman? What, what are you Every forgiving? Frame. Every Frame or Tony Zhao? What's Tony Zhao's channel? Because there's so many, bro. I'm Every about to call him Captain Christian. Every Frame of Painting. Thank you. It's all of these there film titles. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. Was in the, his Save the Cat channel was really great. Uh, I want to <laughs> see what he does with a feature film. I think it's going to be fantastic. Uh, it already looks beautiful. It sounds great. It's one of the ones that has me most intrigued in the fest. And the fact that it's in the Visions one just means that he can do some really intriguing stuff on that timeline. But my number one here, a comedy drama from Tyresha Poe, who did Sailor in the Spades. I like that movie a lot. One of my uh, shout outs from that year. And now she's in The Young Wife that starts Kiersey Clemens, who's having what they call, I really love this description, a sunny day panic attack on the wedding day that's not really mm-hmm. supposed to be your wedding day. I'm there. Yeah. I like Kiersey Clemens. I'm uh, very excited for this one. Aya Cash in this movie. Look at this cast, bro. Aya Cash. Cheryl Lee Ralph, as she, as she hasn't been killing it in Abbott. Michaela Watkins, who she has been on a run in every single thing she's been in since uh, we caught her at Sundance. She's always been funny, but she's been on a particular run for me since then. Uh, and then Kelly mm-hmm. Marie, Marie Tran also going in there. So The Young Wife is my top one from the Visions list as a comedy drama. I'm curious to see what they're going to, what spin they're going to do on it uh, as we follow her story. Yeah, exactly. We are down to the last two categories. B- 
before we save the last one, well, actually, no, let, let's do the global one since the festival ones will leave us with some shout outs to give to people. Um, the global one is always presented by movie for the last couple of years. And what they do is they grab movies that have played elsewhere across seas and are able to bring them in here, meaning that this is the first time we're seeing them in America. They have a documentary that's being pitched as a sensory doc. It takes place in Haiti and they're following all of the rituals and the poets, dancers, everybody there. And it's supposed to be, like it says, uh, very much an experience that you're watching. Last year, they had this movie called 31 Sounds, I want to say, 32 Sounds. That was another movie where it's just like, close your eyes, put on the headphones. It was a really interesting, almost like exhibit. This feels like that's what this is going to be as well. Kite Zoe, a a sensory doc. Ek Jaga Apni, hopefully I'm saying it correctly, (laughs) is an indie language film comprised of a group of filmmakers known as the Ektara Collective. So I don't know who's the writer, who's the main guy. Um, I, I did a little research. I, I'm banking it's Manishi Sony. This, this person's in everything. But they are known as a collective. And uh, this is probably the biggest thing they've shot and is getting the biggest release. It's these two people who are looking for a house after they've been evicted. But like I said, the entire thing is shot as a group. So I'm very curious to see how the movie comes together. It, it sounds pretty exciting. Because uh, in the movie, they're also searching for like a place to live. So. It reminds me of like Brockhampton. It's such a random thing, but like Brockhampton just shooting videos, trying to make something, and then it gets uh, collected from other right. people who are also just trying to do things together. Because uh, they're always just adding a group, and there's no number of people in their collective. My top three, though, these just sound fantastic. Sister, Sister, also obviously marked as Las Hijas, is a drama about mm-hmm. these two sisters who are teenagers who are kind of enjoying their trip in Panama, but from different points of view as they learn a lot about each other. Sounds like a very simple uh, summer kind of bonding movie. I think it could deliver. Looks like it's going to be a really solid film. Sister, sister. Sister and sister, sorry. And then My Drywall Cocoon is a film from Brazil. So it's in Portuguese. About a 17-year-old who has this big party in her penthouse, um, except they find her dead the next day and they got to figure out what the heck happened. Uh, Dope poster that they got over on Letterboxd as well. Uh, I'm very curious to see how this plays out. And I'm very intrigued for it. I thought it had played somewhere else, but it seems it might be a a premiere. Damn. All right. Even more intrigued for that one. My Drawwall Cocoon. Then at the top of this list, bro, The Ordinaries. A meta film where the whole movie is a set. Where the main character is going to supporting character school (laughs) and has to realize how she needs to be a real character. Bro, I don't know. I'm there. That sounds awesome. Look at this poster. Look at this poster right here. Not only do people feel like this, but to make a movie about feeling like you're not the main character in the world where you may be a supporting (laughs) character, in the movie where you're the lead but kind of playing... Right up my alley, man. I'm very excited for this. Uh, This is picked up by the Match Factory. It's in German. Oh. But it should be getting a 2023 release. But nonetheless, it will be playing at... South by Southwest, so what better place to catch it? This is uh, in my top 10 overall, because I just, I love the description to that one. And that is all of the new big presentations. The last category that we have, besides the TV and XR and shorts, which we'll get to that in our main uh, courses once we see it, is the festival favorites, which Zach's going to break down because, Zach, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12... Out of the 14 we've seen. 
from this category. Absolutely. I mean, it's a lot of stuff that comes directly from Sundance, which is exciting for those of you who've tuned into our Sundance coverage and are looking to catch up on movies we liked, like still a Michael Jake Fox story or Kokomo City. But the only one of the ones that we've already seen that I think we're seriously considering going to again, other than Talk to Me, which we already mentioned, is Theater Camp, just because I can imagine the the atmosphere in South by Southwest for that hilarious comedy being excellent. Um, maybe we'll get a repeat of the performance of Jones still, although they did tell us it was one night only at Sundance. So we'll see. We'll know. see. Um, but Fair I line. might make a little bit of time for Fremont because you caught Don't it at, at Sundance. I missed it. And it seems like a really f- a good movie. I know we've had, have some inner cuties who were fans of it as well. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking for a chance to add it into my schedule. Beautiful. So there's a lot of great uh, festival favorite picks from there. Uh, they have some docs that I'm going to be trying to catch from there as well that we'll be mentioning in our full coverage. But just like we did for Sundance, this is the South by Southwest preview, hopefully giving you, you know, it's long, but you go through the entire festival in what is the length of a movie, right? You now know what uh, is headlining. You know all the docs. You know the stuff that may be intriguing you. Which categories, the, depending on what played in the past, may be up your alley. Uh, and hopefully, if you guys are able to catch some of those movies, you add it onto our radar. Maybe you catch some of the ones that we don't, vice versa. Things that you think we should have on ours. But even more than that, even if you don't go, you can go up to your friends and tell them, yeah, this movie is directed by so-and-so, produced by yada, 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 and have a little, mm-hmm. uh, little bit of a legs up. Uh, We will be providing coverage, like we said, just like we did, all the dramas, all the docs, all the genres. Um, And then just like we said, for the patrons also doing a little Patreon hangout over there. Is there anything else you want to shout out for South by? Maybe there was something from the TV shorts XR that intrigued you or any other pointers, questions that you think that you would want to know? Because, again, it's still your first year. I'm excited. I know. I mean, I, I'm just excited to, you know, spend time there and, and walk around. You've told me that there's just all these pop-ups and things happening when you're walking down the street. So I'm just excited to, like, be in the environment of it. I'm excited to watch a movie and go hang out at, the, at a bar after. I've heard there's some amazing bars in Austin as well. Yeah, be careful on uh, You did mention... You did mention the TV section. There's a lot of exciting shows premiering there, and I know you tend to not like to do them because it's like, well, what are you going to do? Only watch the first hour of an eight or ten hour thing. But, you know, it's also maybe the chance to see Donald Glover Glover talking about the pilot to Swarm, which is premiering there. The chance to see... Uh, Ali Wong and Steven Yun for their new Netflix show, Beef, which is coming out. Uh, Michelle Yeoh, who might be there a couple days after winning an Oscar if she wins okay. one to premiere her show, yeah. American Born Chinese, directed by Destin Daniel Cretton. Yeah. Uh, the TV that show that good. I'm really excited for is I'm a Virgo because it's the first fi- thing we're getting from Boots Riley since Sorry to Bother You, and it stars Jarell Jerome. I don't know if I'm going to get there just because it's on a busy day and it's only playing once, but damn, I want to see that show. That was pretty good. Damn. Yeah. We also talked about Mrs. Davis. Off stream, we talked about Mrs. Davis. That's oh, the one about you, the, we just say- the nun and the killer robot. With Betty Gilpin. Yeah, good. I was yeah, Betty Gilpin. produced by Damon Lindelof. Also, on top of that, I'm sure some people have been seeing it on the screen, but as I pop over here, I was just giving you the descriptions for all the ones you were showing. Um, 
Mrs. Davis, you, I was noticing this in some, check out the featured session with the creative minds behind it. They didn't do that last year. That's really awesome. Mm. So if you're on the profile for any of these, when we were saying that, uh, what is it, I Used to Be Funny, it's going to have a comedy stand-up called We Used to Be Funny, it was on there yeah. now. So that's really cool that they're connecting them, so you'll be able to see what's there. But yeah, Zach, I, I'm sorry, I, I can't go to see episode one and two. What am I reviewing? <laughs> <laughs> Some of these, like like you had said, swarm. I want to be there. Of course, I want to see them. It comes yeah. out March seventeenth. Sometimes it's just about being in the room. I think you know. Yeah. So that'll be cool. Uh, you had also mentioned some TV spotlights that I thought would be interesting. Hopefully, the shorts are virtual because y'all know we like to catch these. Lena goes and sifts through all of the all of them to let us know what the top ones are. But the XR experience would be one of the final things that I would mention for y'all if you do have the ability to do so. I highly, highly, highly recommend trying some of the xr stuff last year we went so late that we weren't able to do a lot of it but they build out this entire section entire floor with xr experiences where it's not just people getting the goggles on you will go to these places where they've kind of made a set you get in line you try it out it's pretty cool um Take the time to do that because they also have a competition a spotlight and special events and it'll be running for three days um can't can't recommend that more. I, that that was actually a cool thing that Sundance is kind of gotten rid out of. This one's really cool. Eat a lot of brisket. Make sure you get a lot of water in you because it does get hot over there, even though it's spring. And make sure you watch out for the uh, uh, express thing that's going to be on your app once you get it. Other than that. Keep watching Intercut because we're going to have everything that you need to know about all of the upcoming uh, top things to watch. As we get screeners and other links, we're going to be able to shout out some other movies that we think you should have on your horizon. Um, and maybe we even see you down there at South by Southwest. We'll get some brisket or something. Till next time, keep watching movies. We'll see y'all later. Take care.